Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Talk to the Secular Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and the New VR Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Daily Grounds Coffee, Coffee to Die For. I am your host, Nintendo, and with me, as always, are my 16 bit cohorts, April Alchemy. Or 16 bit Alchemy, maybe. Now you're playing with power, super power. Damn right. And of course, Parasite Steve. Paul Rudd. He he was in a Super Nintendo commercial. I don't know, that's I got true. nothing. He was. he was. Paul Rudd was in a Super Nintendo commercial. He sure was. That's, he, that's he, true. He was playing, he was playing some, some Super super NES. Yeah. That's how I got famous. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Before he was Ant-Man. Well, he was I brought it up. Right, yeah. he was Super Nintendo boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, tonight's episode is all about the Super Nintendo as we celebrate its 32nd birthday. How crazy Holy is shit. that? How old do we feel? <laughs> so old. That's like I mean, that's just, my age. Just every day. Anyway. Right, that's right. Ape Alchemy is also turning 32 this year. This or I should say, I, I am practically its age because <laughs> I'm yeah. almost 32. Yeah, it's like, like a few days apart. Damn. Basically. No so wonder true. I have such a kindred spirit with this system. Hmm. You guys make <laughs> each other. Hmm. It's just so good. So you guys, you guys are. Uh, it's your console mate. Oh yeah, my console mate. Yeah, your console mm-hmm. mate. Mm-hmm. It also consoled me. Yes. <laughs> All yes. right. So, so for this episode, I will be reading a little bit of a uh, history and development of the system, and yes. then we will. So, if Aldo about- is listening. If Aldo's Aldo listening, he just needs to. You can just you can skip this one, buddy. It's okay. It's, fine. it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah, bro. Fine. We we know there's nothing for you here. <laughs> and uh, then after that, we'll we'll talk about like our initial thoughts on the system and you know how freaking thrilled we were about getting this new system and uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And a little bit of uh, some some memories being shared by everyone. So that should be a lot of fun. And then we'll go into our Octoponder, and then for the second half, we will pick two games each of uh, some of our favorite Super Nintendo games. Yes, which is really insanely impossible, because holy crap, no matter what, you're leaving out like, you know, 50 games that you want to talk about. I mean, it's it's really... 
for us anyway, being big fans, it's like, oh my god, it was. It, oh yeah, it's it's a joke to only be able to pick two games. So oh, it's, it's like well, killing me. You know, we'll be here you're, for. You're gonna hours, get what you're gonna hours. get. What you're gonna get, and you don't get upset, okay, Retroids. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll do a separate episode on just the games. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see, we'll see where this goes. We'll see where this Anyways, goes. We're good. So, anyways, all right. I'm sure just there'll be some uh, Japanese names. I'm sure to fuck up. So you can all laugh with me or laugh at me. It's totally fine. So, going way back to the uh, the NES days, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System was going strong years after it was released. Near the end of the 80s, system sellers were still being launched for the consoles such as Super, Super Mario Bros. 3, which went on to become one of the best-selling video games of all time. Several Nintendo competitors wanted a piece of that pie. Mm-mm-mm, they sure did. However, <laughs> however, and thus released more advanced systems meant to compete on uh, with the NES. Before I go any further, I just want to mention that I am reading from a website called Nintendo.Fandom.com. So that's where I'm reading this, this little okay. article from. Okay. Okay, just let the audience knows too. Oh my god, yeah. La, 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 la. So, the first on the scene was Hudson Soft and NEC Corporation with the TurboGrafx 16, also known as the PC Engine, which they released in 1987, three years before the Super Famicom would be launched in Japan. While considered a part of the 16-bit era, the CPU was actually 8 bits. Nevertheless, oh, the, that's me. That's scandalous, totally new, dude. Oh my totally god! You. It's oh my god. me. Tell you, tell you. It can't be, but it is. It is. So breathy. <laughs> oh my god! Super breath Tendo. Eight <laughs> <laughs> <Paid> breath Alchemy. You. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, the console proved formidable in Japan. One year later, Sega unleashed the Sega Genesis. Though the Genesis was more or less a failure in Japan, the Genesis became a serious competitor in North America. Either way, Nintendo realized that they needed to act quickly in order to counter the effect imposed by the new hardware and in, in, the, and in response to TurboGrafx-16. Mm. They started development on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. So this is where I'm going to start fucking up names. <laughs> Designer design, for the Famicom, Masayuki Yumura, di, uh, directed the development of the new system. Nintendo initially released the Super Famicom in Japan in November on November 21st, 1990, at a price of 25,000 yen. The first shipment contained 300,000 SNES units, which all sold within a matter of a few hours. Nintendo, Nintendo shipped the Super Famicom units in secret as not to gain the attention of the y- Yakuza, who they, feared, <laughs> who they feared would potentially steal the hardware and software. The system proved so successful in its first day in part because of the launch lineup that, while astonishingly small, two games only, featured impressive titles including Super Mario World and F-Zero. Super Mario World, the successor to Super Mario Bros. 3, is best known for, for introducing Mario's sidekick Yoshi, while F-Zero made extensive use of Mode 7, allowing the game to do things that would have been impossible on the NES. Yes. So, I know that Parasite Steve is absolutely dying to talk about Mode 7, so I'm just <laughs> dive into that shit. You know? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna die! He's gonna Explode. dive right into that. I have a um, mighty need! <laughs> 
need. <laughs> I am a mighty need. Um, so mode seven, this was a term that all of us heard incessantly in the nineties because the super Nintendo marketing department really wanted us to know that it was a thing and use it as a bullet point basically for the system and for a lot of the games. And, um, I, I mean, I know that not everybody was as wowed as it, as wowed by it as they wanted them to be. But I was in the camp that was wowed by it. I thought Mode Seven mm -hmm. was great. Um, basically, the, what it is, it was just one of um, what they called modes of uh, graphics modes that the Super Nintendo could basically process the ways that it could process graphics. And it was just mode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nobody ever heard about one, two, three, four, five, and six, but mode seven, the final one, uh, we did. So basically, you got to know it when you saw it um, rather than understand how it worked. Uh, basically, what it could do is it could take a background sprite layer. So it couldn't be one of the true sprites of like, you know, an enemy or a character or something you're shooting or something like that. Those are the true sprites. But a background image could be taken and um, basically you, you think of it as a flat plane. It could be moved in 3D space and it could be uh, zoomed in on or shrunken. So you could basically use this to do all sorts of different things depending on the game um certain games like got really really creative with how they used mode 7 and sometimes you know it came off as like oh you're just trying to be gimmicky with this but a lot of times it really did enhance things like um in f-zero as joe mentioned f-zero is one of my favorite games um you know this whole game is basically mode seven. Oh yeah. Yes. It's the mode seven tour de force. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's like mode seven the game. It's basically the the entire world is this background layer that they have pivoted to be a flat uh polygon. And it's this giant, giant thing. The entire racetrack is this this background layer. And so you you as you know, like one of the S Zero race cars, which are these cool um like hovercrafts futuristic racing game in case you didn't know um you know you're controlling this thing but really you never really move like forward and back you can move side to side but what's creating the illusion of movement is the background is the background layer which is really looks like the ground is mm. is uh is moving it's moving around and spinning and so when you go around a turn what's actually happening is the background layer is is spinning and it looks like you went around the term i mean turn it's like it's kind of like freaking mind-blowing that they even figured this out for a use for this uh for this mode you know it's like that was a launch title so they're clearly figuring out like okay what can we do with this you know and then you would see certain games do some other really neat things that they just were trying out and sometimes you saw stuff only in one game the biggest example to me has always been Super Castlevania 4. Um, yeah. That oh, used yeah. Mode 7 in ways that we never saw before that, in at least one way that we never saw it since. Uh, there's, uh, I think, two big rooms that people will remember. One's the, the moving chandelier, where it's just this entire... It's like the size of one TV screen is the size of this giant chandelier, basically. It's so big. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's swinging like a pendulum back and forth. And... Um, 
you know, you have to jump on it and get across it. And there's a few of them swinging and it's, uh, instead of, you know, making a sprite that's this big or something like that, you know, use mode seven. It, it handles it really well. It, it, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a gimme thing. It's a way to do impressive things that would take way more graphical uh, processing power if it was sprites. And you know how you would always see like, you know, in NES games, when the, the, sprites would like flash or sometimes disappear it's like it can't handle that much stuff this is sort of like it's the it's this is the background layer so it was sort of a gimme and it, it just allowed it to like be like a freebie layer where you're not going to have that problem and so anyway you know this was like one of the things it had the swinging you know chandelier it's it's absolutely impressive to this day yes, in my opinion. The biggest yes. on that it's, yeah. it's, so, it's big. so awesome it's really 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 cool and the like candles will actually blow back the flames will blow back in the direction that they're coming from so it really does you you it, they did a really good job so yeah. there's that and then there is this other level uh that you're in this like spinning tunnel and it really mm -hmm. does feel like like a, like a cylinder it's supposed to look like a mm -hmm. like you're going down the length of this long cylindrical room and it's spinning and it's really just still very impressive i i i really love that room so much and was so impressed by everybody's impressed by it. there's one more room that the whole thing uh rotates as well um just yeah. in a sort of a more simple way like the background's just flat but it just turns clockwise or counterclockwise but yeah. but yeah, with you these like hang in the middle of it and it like rotates yeah. Right. But with, with that tunnel room, it's like, holy crap, as it's getting closer to the top and bottom of the screen, you know, the graphic gets bigger. It really does bend somehow. I mean, really just crazy. So I don't know. There's lots of examples of mode seven and it was, um, we don't have to go through them all. I think that F zero and super Castlevania four are certainly the two that really come to mind for me. But anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, it was just this really neat bullet point for the Super Nintendo. Basically, that's that's all it really needs to be said. Mm -hmm. I think you know, you know, it was something that the Genesis just flat out could not do. And I think as far as processing power, the thing you know, if, you know, if we get into the console wars a little bit later, um, the only thing that I straight up remembering the Genesis because the Genesis ads were all attitude, and Super Nintendo oh, yeah. seemed to be more like uh, tech technical stuff like i remember you know the genesis had way fewer colors way worse sound capabilities you know that's yeah. why everything is like you know computer farts on a genesis but super nintendo <laughs> had much better sound and like it you know the talking especially was like so yeah. much worse on genesis and uh and all that stuff and it's like well i i remember that that the genesis tried to push back with blast processing is what they always said about Sonic, right. and and they're fast. like, oh, we have we have blast processing. The Super Nintendo doesn't. And then I remember learning that blast processing wasn't even a real thing. It's like Retson. It's just something that they yeah. came up with. It's some marketing magic. It's, yeah, it's just nonsense. And uh, I remember that Super Nintendo put out a game called Claymates, which uh, had faster processing. There was a you could turn into a mouse in that game, and he ran so fast that it, it put Sonic to shame and Super Nintendo was like, oh, we have one too. It's called Blaze Processing. Blaze and like, Processing. <laughs> and they were just totally eating their lunch and it was that mouse did move insanely yeah. fast. It was it was insane. incomparable to Sonic. It was Sonic was like slow. 
I mean, I I don't think Sonic feels like he moves fast. Honestly, he's just uh, they, they. It's like they they tell you that, but he's when like, he you know, when he really gets going. I think he's it's pretty fast. It's just that you can't often just be running full speed. You know, you right. usually have to be platforming and watching out for. Yeah, even if you're doing like the the loop you. the loops, it's like he doesn't look like he's going that fast. Yeah, you're right. When he's like in the ball and he's really like yeah, and he's like, like <laughs> zipping around all the loops you can't really control S turns and stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah but anyway that's yeah. just like it's just like something that the super nintendo touted all the time was mode 7 so yeah. we remember hearing about it all the time i'm sure some of you do too and that's just just all it is it was one of the seven graphical modes but you know love it or hate it it was a thing that nobody else could do yeah yeah absolutely yeah, it didn't make me like the system more but it was a cool aspect hmm. right i mean i think the, the system would have done fine without mode 7 mm-hmm yeah, right. it's it's just sort of it, it's it's like a it's like a part of its identity. Like you can see if you see a game that's using mode seven, you instantly know it's Super Nintendo. Yeah, like you can. Yeah, it yeah. really does brand it. Yeah, it does. And, it has an identity, and it's part of its identity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so continuing on with the little bit of a history lesson. Uh, due to impressive figures of the Super Famicom, several third-party developers who support Nintendo with the Famicom announced their commitment to the new system. These third parties would be pivotal, pivotal to the success of the system, especially companies such as Square, which we all know who made Final Fantasy and uh, later on Chrono Trigger, uh, Enix in Japan Dragon Quest, the, from the Dragon Quest series, uh, Capcom with Street Fighter 2 and Mega Man X series, uh, and others, Western companies in North America and Europe would eventually start to develop titles for the system as well, including companies such as Midway from Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam. Most hard-hitting titles, however, came from Japanese developers. Uh, Nintendo would release the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in North America on August 23rd, 1991. Four days before my birthday. Four days. Four days, dude. Uh, So they're selling this system for $200 in North America. Sounds pretty cheap. Sounds I sounds know, now, but back then I was like, back then, shit, that was a lot of money back and the then. The games were like fucking eighty bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, something. Like uh, they were they were more like sixty, and then they, they like went up 60. to sixty five. So, so Street Fighter Two was like eighty dollars. That was the eighty dollar game, and everybody yeah. was like, "Are you kidding?" And then they bought it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Capcom definitely made out just <laughs> just fine with that. Those jerks. Those pricks. Unlike in Japan, Nintendo of America packaged Super Mario World with the system for free, uh, similar to how they packaged Super Mario Brothers with the original NES system. The North American launch of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System contained more titles than the Japanese launch, including Super Mario World F-Zero, Pilot Wings, Gradius 3, and SimCity. Oh my god, Gradius Gradius 3 was a freaking launch title? That blew my mind. I was today years old. Wow, That's I do not. Crazy. I do not remember Gradius Three being like a launch title. Yeah, at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Super crazy. Huh. While still not particularly large, a large launch, it did contain many titles that would go on to sell millions. Interestingly, the Japanese branch of Nintendo did not design the the American Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Instead, a man by the name of Lance Barr designed the hardware. He also designed the NES. 
Landspire explained that he didn't like the look of the Super Famicom, which is crazy. I think I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, saying that it was too, quote unquote, soft and had no edge. Nintendo Power revealed several unused designs that were drawn by Barr, all of which led to the final creation. Barr explained that he designed the Super Famicom in a way that that drinks could not be placed on it, and that the intention. Well, <laughs> I don't know. fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I mean the NES was a total drink holder. It was just oh, freaking flat boxed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did and anybody think, do that? That seems like a terrible I idea. Did, I mean, yeah, I never did that. people did that. <laughs> oh my god, Retroids! If you did that, if you put drinks on your NES when you were a kid, we lost respect for you. Yeah, you're you're you were a dumb <laughs> leave, kid. Leave the group. You're now banned from the group. <laughs> we're wondering now if you also ate paint chips at that point. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, what's your favorite brand of glue? <laughs> darker for flavor oh yeah it's still darker for flavor uh the indention in the x and y buttons were made so that the players could tell the difference between them and the a and b buttons which i never realized honestly (laughs) did i i did yeah no for real this is such a great like just like under the radar innovation, just being able to be like, you can tell what button you're pressing just by putting your fingers on it. You know you're on X or Y if they're if they're concave. Uh, I, I on never, A or B if they're convex. I never noticed because I just had the buttons memorized. Yeah, I mean, you don't really like for people who are normal gamers. Like, it's it's definitely not something you have to think about too much. But like that little distinction is is kind of cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, a year after the Super Fam, uh, I'm sorry. A year after the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was released in North America, the system made its way into Europe and Australia with a soft launch, first in the in the United Kingdom and Ireland. The European Super NES was a near direct copy of the Japanese model. After marketing reportedly found that the American version tested poorly, the colors and shape were all the same, and the buttons on the controller were red, blue, yellow, and green, like the Super Famicom controller. American Which I color, like. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Effect. And the, the American controllers were just shades of purple. Which, to be fair, I did decorate my game room as the any the Super Nintendo color scheme of like a I color matched a Super Nintendo controller, and I did the dark purple and also the lighter purple of the the two face button styles. Because right. and the gray. That's, <clears throat> well, yeah, I just have I have like light purple and dark purple. The gray in this room is actually the light purple of oh. the uh, of the controller. Nice, oh. nice. It looks great though. It's very Absolutely. cool. After the release, after the release in PAL territories, Nintendo launched the system in other parts of the world, including Brazil and South Korea. And that is the the little brief history and development of the system. Nice. Mm. So, uh, I also want to mention really briefly that I'm sure, you know, it's not news to anyone, but uh, Nintendo and Sony uh, tried to collaborate on doing a CD add-on for the Super Nintendo. Uh, like, underneath the the Super Nintendo system, there's, like, a little a little block that they can take out. And there's, like, a little, um, uh, a, a little slot where you could attach something to it. That was supposed to be for the CD add-on, so and that crazy. was going to be called the Super Nintendo PlayStation. <laughs> and then, I guess uh, 
the the deal fell through or something and uh i guess sony didn't like how nintendo was handling the project so sony's like see ya nah we're, we're gonna do our own thing and they did and now look where they are now i know yeah. right they're like killing it one of the top you know they're the one of the three giant you know, console companies right and i have i i wonder if if that never happened with nintendo if sony would still be making consoles like would would the playstation be where it's at now right 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 yeah if they were just a collaborator <laughs> with nintendo you know what a weird different like space we would be yeah. in right now yeah i mean there, someone did find a uh someone found a, a working prototype of it and i guess it's on uh video game museum right now um there was like a, a disc I don't know if it was like an actual game, like a like a demo game or something. I have no idea, but apparently it worked. Wow, it's freaking crazy. That is. I I do remember that like since CDs were just the coming thing, that after the Super Nintendo, everybody just sort of assumed that everybody was going into CD format instead of cartridges, and mm-hmm. obviously Sega did. They went to the Saturn, and then they went, they, you know, they the, the, the Sega CD. They, well, you're right. They had the Sega CD on yeah, the Genesis. That was, that was the first yes, one they, they did. did. Yeah, yeah, they were really and like ahead they, of the curve there. Yep. And then they're like, okay. And I'll, well, so, so so did TurboGrafx 16. They had yeah. the Duo. Yep. So, yep. like, Nintendo is the only one that didn't have a CD drive. And then it's like, oh, but surely, surely the next system will be CD based. And everybody wanted it to be. I remember it was like such a big <laughs> deal. And, yeah. uh, and they're like, no, we're sticking with cartridges. Tough crap. And uh, and they did, and like, they didn't go CDs until the GameCube, and then they're even even then they're like, yeah, no, we're going to be weird about it. Yeah, we're going to use a smaller uh, yeah. It's Like, why are you being so weird about the CD thing? I don't understand. Oh man, yeah, Nintendo's so just so contrarian. They just like yeah. don't they, they hate beyond hate to just do what everyone else is doing. Mm. Yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say for better or for worse. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. neat though, but that's that's very interesting that, that we almost got like the Super Nintendo CD, right? Uh, so weird. You know, it was going to be called the or Sony, rather. Yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah really neat. Wonder what, what they would have done. Yeah, my uh, one of my uh, fondest memories of no discovering the super nintendo was through nintendo power and uh just looking oh, at like yeah. all the games that were going to release for like actors mm-hmm. and you know Mega Man x and all that stuff and i was just like mm-hmm. so freaking blown away by especially uh act razor it was just like holy fuck dude, this game oh, what a cool sick. game you go it's crazy how they went from like like a four color palette to like Hmm. I don't know how many palettes they the Super Nintendo has now. How many colors? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a crazy amount. Yeah, I you know it's funny that you mentioned that Actraiser. I I remember so distinctly seeing that graphic of Actraiser in whatever Nintendo Power it was, and it was specifically um, a screenshot of the first level. So yeah. back in that and at that time, we had no idea that the game was going to be as weird as it ended up being. That it was going to be this like half, you know, SimCity type game, and yeah. uh, 
and we just thought it was going to be an action platformer mm-hmm. and it was a graphic of uh the the centaur boss in the first level yes oh, yeah. and i could not get over that that centaur was the coolest graphic i'd ever seen and i mean he's badass too he's like instead of like you to- normally see like a, a centaur and it's usually like topless or you know you know it's just greekified you know wearing a toga or something this right. was like this this guy was like wearing armor on his human parts and like a helmet and he carried a spear it was like it's still to this day one of the most unique and badass centaurs i've ever seen like he's so great and he's just yeah. the first boss um right. and yeah i mean i literally couldn't get over it i remember i drew a picture of it and colored it like i was yeah. so obsessed do you remember that show? Yes. <laughs> like you, I was so obsessed with that one yes. picture. It's just one teeny tiny little square at the end of this Nintendo Power, and I would just, oh, I would just crack it and look at it, and like, oh, I just cannot wait. Oh my god, yeah. Actraiser was like probably my most hotly anticipated game, honestly, for the Super Nintendo when it came out. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than like Mario, you know, Mario World, but yeah, other than that, right. it was like, yeah, no. Uh, Actraiser was the one I wanted more than anything. Yes. So freaking good. Oh who God. who made that game? Is that like so an I, Enix I think, game? I think Actraiser was was Enix, but um Enix, yeah. it was it was kind of like a, a little different. So Actraiser was was I think published by Enix. Um but it was actually developed uh by Quintet, who is the company that would be also known for Soul Blazer, uh, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Games are considered the Quintet trilogy, but then also Actraiser is part of that. And uh, music by Yuzo Koshiro, who uh, is the extremely made famous by Streets of Rage. Yuzo Koshiro is oh, uh, nice. the composer for all the Streets of Rage games, but he also did the music for hmm. Actraiser, which was way outside what was seen you know what was heard in streets of rage being like hip-hop and like modern sounding actraiser has this very like cinematic fantasy sound Uh, yeah totally yeah he's a question freaking legend you guys awesome yeah but what a cool game that was man yeah absolutely totally we've got a we've got a new actraiser two years ago that was right, freaking believable. I was couldn't it, believe it, that we got one. Was it called Resurrection or what? Renaissance? Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah. yeah, that that game was was really fun. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, the graphics are a little like kind of weird, like pre rendered three D, but just yeah. like it it was it was really fun. And the fact that we got a new Actraiser game in twenty twenty one is yeah. goddamn awesome. I I love yeah. that to to bits. I, I bought yeah. it. Right away, I want to support that mindset. Um, love that so much, but yeah, really cool game. I, I have a I have a lot of awesome memories with the Super Nintendo, man. man I mean, you can say it, dude. Dude, there's like the there's like so many yours. different things that just like pop into my head over like the the years of like SNES memories. Like one of the things I always think back on is like Super Mario World was not like my mario game i always just loved super mario bros 3 that was like if i wanted to play mario that's what i would play Mm -hmm. um but i still loved super mario world and like Mm -hmm. i just have like these very vivid memories of being a kid and being on summer break and our old house used to have like a sliding door that would go out to like a deck and i remember having the sliding glass door open having just the screen door open 
uh, or a screen door closed and then the breeze would be coming through. And I, I just like have vivid memory of sitting there playing Super Mario World on my summer vacation from like, I don't, I mean, I don't even know, like third grade, fourth grade, whatever. And, and just having like the breeze coming in and like working my way through Super Mario World and stuff. And it was like, so quintessential like it's just like a core you know memory of like the summertime like i think of i i look at super mario world and i'm just immediately thinking of summer vacation as a kid um and and that was just like so special um one of the other games that i really loved a lot um and i actually just always remember playing with my mom was uh capcom's king of dragons Um, oh yeah. yeah That's that right. game was like such a cool fantasy beat em up game that was like not not even like a traditional beat em up. It's like you kind of had like projectile attacks and you upgrade your armor and your weapons and stuff and you look different depending on you know who you picked and where how far you got. But it was also co op and I remember playing that one with mom and that was super fun just being able to like sit down and go through a game like that. Um, I, yeah, I love that game and it had pervasive weapon upgrades that looked completely yeah. different every single time you. Um, you actually got a new weapon like it the, the the weapon in your hand looked different and the attack looked like slightly different too yeah that was really yeah. fun so your your character didn't change oh. but the weapon did the weapon great did. and, and yeah. you like your shield sometimes like oh, some yeah, characters the, their the weapon Paladin. was like a sword and a sh- yeah, so or the, like the, the cleric i think cleric, cleric had like a had mace like a and big, a shield yes yeah so like there was like a little bit there but yeah it's like still the weapon but anyway it was just like it was so good it was such a good one of those games and really stood out um and then like joe i'll never be able to separate you from chrono trigger and just being able to like (laughs) like the the time that i went over your house with steve and just went downstairs and like you and your brother were playing chrono trigger and i was like what is this like what this looks so awesome like i had and, and like, i had no idea what it was and it just was seemed so cool and it wouldn't it wouldn't be until like years and years after that that i even got to try it or play it myself um but yeah just like like that's such a, a memory of like your house from back in the days like you guys playing chrono trigger nice um, yeah so f- funny story about chrono trigger I I originally rented that game. <laughs> and, uh, that wasn't the funny part. <laughs> oh. Um. So I played it. The, the, the game didn't have instructions, so you just had the game. Oh yeah. Uh. So I'm trying to like figure out like the controls. Like I've never played an RPG before a day in my life. So this was like literally my first RPG I've ever played, mm-hmm. and not being familiar with, uh like what's what, like what the, the commands were or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even get get like five minutes into the game. I was just like so defeated. I'm like, this game sucks. Fuck, <laughs> fuck this game. And Yeah, it's so it's then, so different when you haven't so played different. an RPG. Yeah. And then and then later on I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna try it again. I, I rented it again. This time it came with an instruction manual. And you know, I actually read some of it. I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense now. And then I was able to get much further in, further in it. And I just fell in love with the story, most of all. Story over gameplay, which yep. has never happened to me before. And, uh, yeah, it's still, like, I still consider Chrono Trigger to be, like, one of the best mm-hmm. RPG, RPGs, like, ever created. Like, I, it's... yeah. 
I, I, I was never into Final Fantasy. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger, I mean... It just, it just grabbed me. It's, it's amazing because it is, you know, just like so cited as one of, if not the greatest RPG ever made of all time. And, you know, it, I, I think it's interesting because you know, whatever the first RPG you play or of anything, you know, it always has like a special place in your heart. But it just so happens to be that your first RPG is like one of the best ones the ever. Best right. Right. Like, right. like yeah. you did legitimately just, you're like, no, this, like I got started on one of the best ever. And who would have known that at the time? Yeah, but right. It, it I mean, the game is. does have its flaws too. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to say sure. like, like even the, the, no, the, the animation wasn't like the best. Yeah, and like so, some of the spell attacks were like, eh. I mean, they're cool, whatever. Right. But oh, the, the graphics. But that just goes to show that, like, you know, you can still have a great game if yep. you know one or two of of the things that you judge games by isn't perfect. Right. You know, it's it's like it, it just it just goes to show, like, you you need to just like stick with something. Try to have a good attitude. Try to appreciate the good, yep. and see see what you end up feeling. Like you know, you can, if you booted it up and you're like, "Oh, this game looks like crap." It's like, okay, but, well, that's your opinion, sure. So fine, right? Is any of the rest of it good? Like I don't know. Right. And you know, the thought that you would have <laughs> there's a in the multiverse there's a there's an Earth where Joe tried Chrono Trigger for five minutes and hated it. And has been right. about it ever since. That, that that right. I mean, imagine literally. Imagine if, that, imagine if you hadn't happen. rented it a second time. Seriously, yeah. like, it, just yeah. give it a chance. And like, because I knew, like, I'm like, I, I just never gave it a fair chance. I just kind of like just quit because I just couldn't figure it out. And like, well, yeah, a lot of people seem to like. It. I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Boom. Cool. Just click. Awesome. I got I love it. it. Love yep. that game. Um, that's, that's a game that needs a remake or. It's or weird like, that there hasn't people. been. Yeah. Yeah, like, like it's, it's honestly see, weird. I would love to see a remake of the game done like an Octopath Traveler. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be perfect. Awesome. I mean, the best that we got was we got the re-release on the Nintendo DS, which which did have extra stuff. It had a whole extra yeah. like area and a dungeon and like a whole side quest and stuff. So like that was pretty awesome. Also and I do a, I do own that version. Too. That's right. Yeah, that's I right. If, I don't know if they added any uh, like extra levels, but I know they just added like anime cutscenes or yes. something like that. Yep. Yep. So that was um, that was actually on a game called Final Fantasy. Oh shit! What is that collection called? Oh my I, god! I, I had it. It was like Final Fantasy six or four. Final no, Fantasy four. Chronicles. Final yeah. Fantasy that's Chronicles for the PlayStation yeah. One, yes. and it came with FF four. Yeah. And Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. And yeah. I, I just I just have to say, Final Fantasy Four is also one of the all time games for me. Uh and that, that got its start on the Super Nintendo as Final Fantasy Two in America, uh Final Fantasy Four in Japan. That was the first FF game I ever played. I remember reading uh article in one of Steve, one of your Nintendo powers, and it was talking about how to get the Massa Moon sword, and it was like detailing this whole boss fight in the last dungeon of the game, and you had to fight Ogopogo. And I was like, What is this? What is this sea serpent Ogopogo? What a weird name. What the hell is that? And you get the Massa Moon, and this looks so cool. And then I looked up what Ogopogo was, like found out that it was a one of the translators or whatever gave it this name based off a a cryptid um yeah. from from lake okanagan like 
Well, it's in, the brontosaur of the Congo, right? Isn't that no, Congo? no, that's that's like oh, uh, Mokele Membe. Yeah, that's Mokele Membe. That's Mokele Membe. <laughs> Ogopogo is a Canadian cryptid from Lake Okanagan uh, in in British Columbia. But they just randomly gave it this name. Like, it was apropos of nothing. Uh, but it totally, totally fascinated me. After reading that article, I'm like, oh, my God, that what is this? This is so cool. And I, I at the time, I didn't have any way to play this game other than emulation. So, like, I booted it up on ZSNES. And, you know, Final Fantasy II was in our, our games library. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And so Final Fantasy IV will always be, like, the most special one for me. And, you know, it's 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 my favorite. Like, it, it means the most to me. I think it is the, the most just, like, fun playthrough. Like, it's linear, but not too linear. The characters are all diverse. You have Dark Knight Cecil becomes Paladin. Like, oh, there's so many cool things in that. So Final Fantasy Chronicles on the PS1 is just a freaking banger like holy crap chrono trigger and ff4 all like with new cutscenes and crap like that is a friggin amazing i, I actually amazing thing i actually got that game uh from uh video games monthly i had that su- subscription service oh yeah oh, wow so crazy it's just like out of the blue yeah it's no like, that's oh, that's an amazing amazing yeah oh, did you ever yeah. try either one no if i didn't have a playstation i just oh right all right. Yeah, that's weird. They say. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, I, really. I, mean, I had I have a PlayStation too, the one that's backwards compatible, mm. but um, I just didn't have a like a regular TV to, to mm. hook it up with. I was gonna Don't get go a regular up, yeah. TV so I can play gotcha. these old games, but it just never happened. Mm. Yep. Uh man. So, yeah. So well, the Super cool Nintendo. Things. The Super Nintendo just really was my favorite system growing up. Uh, as well and obviously we were playing the same exact super nintendo 8-bit right and you know um i remember distinctly saving up my allowance in five dollar intervals (laughs) um to eventually afford it the two hundred dollars i really just it couldn't come fast enough it was really crazy i think at the end uh my parents ended up like spotting me the final you know like some of it but I really did save up for like uh, over a year worth of just, you know, spending no money, just <laughs> dying for this one mm-hmm. thing. And I uh, was very, very, very proud of myself when I finally did it. And um, yeah, I mean, it. I, I had friends around me that had it, um, but not, not a ton. Like a few did, but this was really like the first time that a video game system came out that was like, I mean, Atari did it. Atari had numerous systems, but like, I don't know. I, I didn't really know about the 7,800 or the, the, the 50, what was it? 5,600. Like, I don't know. 2,600 and the 5,200. Yeah. 26 was like the only Atari anybody I knew had. That was the one I had. And then it sort of just went to Nintendo. Like, I don't know if it just wasn't popular here, those systems, but I don't know. Super Nintendo is the one that parents were outraged and that they were on the yeah. news complaining about that they yeah. they were supposed to buy their kids another Nintendo. And like, it just was a new thing. Even though it wasn't technically the first time it happened, it felt like it. And uh, a lot of parents were like, hell no. I remember uh, our aunt and uncle would not 
buy our cousins a Super Nintendo. They're like, hell no, I'm not buying you another Nintendo. They bought them a Genesis. Somehow that was better. That like, was but better. I'm not buying you. <laughs> a have a Stega, but you can't have another Nintendo. A second Nintendo, and it's just like my God, the difference between the the you know original NES and the Super NES is so crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, it really it really was an incredible system. Definitely one of my favorite systems of all time. Um, I mean, I love I love you know the Genesis too. I, I love Nintendo yeah, the original eight bit. Yep. And Super NES and Genesis are so the systems I had all through my kid life, you know. Um, so, I mean, those are really the, the big three for me anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I was a person who got Genesis later and wanted to appreciate it for itself. Like, I was a big Super Nintendo defender always. I would always go to bat for Super Nintendo because I, I was like, well, it's it's the difference between, like, you know, like, like I mean... <laughs> It's it's like I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's not too mean. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just technically better. It's like you can like the other one better. That's fine, but don't tell me it's technically better because it's it's just factually not. not. <laughs> so like you can like it more, fine. But you know, I mean, everything about the Super Nintendo was better, like technically. So whatever, like whichever one you like better. But I was like, no, I, I think the Super Nintendo looks better, sounds better, plays better, has better games, whatever. But then I like went and I got, you know, a Genesis, which I wanted, had wanted for a long time. And I was like, oh my God, you know, would I ever be able to have both? Is that possible? Is that even possible? Right. And, uh, you know, I remember our old, our original fourth host boss rush mode was the first person that I knew that had both. And it was like a really big deal. It was like, oh, my God, they have both 16-bit systems. Oh, my God, it's so insane. And, like, one day, finally, very late in the Genesis's life, I did end up getting one. And, uh, and you know, I did, I did really enjoy it. Like, there were plenty of great Genesis games. And the fun yeah. thing about having both of the systems at that time was developers wouldn't necessarily make the same game for two different platforms. They would get a license, like, say, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. And then they would make one game for the Genesis with, you know, some company would make it. And then a totally different company would make a totally different, completely unrelated game for the Super Nintendo. And the same thing would happen with Game Boy. Usually, you know, sometimes there were like Game Boy games were like watered down versions of actual games. That did happen. But a lot of times it would be a completely unrelated, totally different game. Yep. And, uh, I think that really made it fun having the the different systems like as opposed to if you have X, Xbox and you know PlayStation at this point it's like a lot of the games come out for both or there are just exclusive you know games for that platform um and you just so that I think that's really the the, the reason it's like but you're not going to get two versions of the same thing that just is not a thing anymore it doesn't yeah. exist you know so that was a really fun thing so if you're like oh I'm a huge Batman fan I really want this or like or like Ninja Turtles like you're like okay I love Turtles in Time that's the arcade game it went to Super Nintendo great but you know Genesis has Hyperstone Heist I kind of want that one too right. <laughs> it feels like made cool. by the same company both, yeah both like right me. that was yeah <laughs> so and it, it, it felt like a it felt like a, a sequel almost I mean it was kind of a remix but it really was different enough you know so anyway it was just a fun time to be a gamer and uh I was, you know, even though I vastly preferred the Super Nintendo, I really just, you know, I, I'm like, who's complaining about more games? Like, 
Can't we? Right. Can't you like them both? It's like the Marvel DC b- debate. It's like so stupid. Just <laughs> right. more is 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 more. Like more is better. Like come on, just pick and choose from both sides now. Like what? Whatever. Right. Um. But it was a crazy time for sure. Absolutely. It really was. Absolutely. And yeah. the 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 art form of the sprite was truly refined in the Super Nintendo and just oh, yeah. in the sixteen bit era. Exactly. And Holy both crap. systems did amazing strides, and there are fantastic graphics on both sides. Um, and they really, you know, Genesis really did a lot with less colors. They still did like incredible stuff. I mean, just oh, absolutely. absolutely incredibly awesome stuff. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, if you go back to like the Genesis, like the early days, like the games just didn't look that good. Yeah, they got then, so much better. And then you get to Sonic, is like, holy fuck. Or like Streets of Rage. And then you go from like Streets of Rage 1 to Streets of Rage 2. And it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Streets of Rage 2 is still like gorgeous. It's It's, it's all about it's like you just gotta know how to how to use the the developer kit, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and to be fair, they were doing it before the Super Nintendo, so I'm sure there was some there was more of a learning curve you know at at when they were developing those early genesis games as opposed yeah. to when super nintendo came out there's so, so, there's some benchmarks there's some things and like okay they've done this we can do better sort of a thing but yep. genesis was on the cutting edge so they're like okay well, well i don't know what does this next thing look like we have to just create what it looks like so that's like a bigger burden you know right yeah but yeah. it really was uh it was a great time to be a gamer for sure Absolutely. to grow up during that so eight bit, you like fully grew up during that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. I remember uh, getting the Super Nintendo. I remember going to Toys R Us, buying the system, and I don't know if you remember, Steve. My, my dad had like, the the Volkswagen, the really long car. You like sit all the way in the back. It's like before oh, the else. <laughs> so I remember like being in, all the way in the back of the car and just holding the box, just looking at the back of the box, looking at all, all the pictures and reading everything, and just holding the box really tight. Like this is mine. It's finally mine. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine. So freaking oh good. Oh my god. Oh my god. So cool. Oh my god. All right. So I guess that pretty much wraps up the the first half, right? So yeah, yeah. All right, sure. so uh, it's about that time that we're going to take a little short break. But before we do that, we have something for you guys to octoponder. So I asked on our Facebook page, uh, what is your favorite Super Nintendo peripheral? And uh, so you guys left some really cool responses. So we'll go to this short break and I'll I'll read off all the answers. And then, then we'll say our picks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. 
Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will will see see you you next next Thursday. Thursday. Hi, this is Stan Bush from Transformers the Movie, and you're listening to Retro Redoctopus. You got to touch. Do you like retro video games? 80s and 90s toys and have a love for nostalgia. Hi, I'm Russ Lyman. What's up, guys? I'm Jay, the NES addict. Welcome to the Weekly Warp Pipe. Jump into the Warp Pipe with us and go back to revisit all the awesome things from our childhood. That's right. Every week we discuss something new like the hardest NES games. Or what it's like to get prizes out of cereal boxes. What our top 10 toys were. (laughs) Battle Beast. No, dude. It was Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Cowabunga. So be sure to check out theweeklywarpipe.com for more info. And we're proud to be a part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. That's right. You can join us every Saturday at 7 a.m. for new episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or catch the video version on YouTube at the Weekly Warpipe channel. That's the Weekly Warpipe every Saturday at 7 a.m. The Weekly Warpipe. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. Welcome back, everyone. I uh, uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. the commercials. I know, I, know I did. I, I, I always love the commercials. Love them. Oh, yeah. They're a good oh, time. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, as previously stated, I asked you guys, this octo-ponder, what is your favorite Super Nintendo peripheral? And for me, I will have to go with the Super Scope. That thing was huge. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. It was like, see, the Super Nintendo didn't have a light gun. They just had a light bazooka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over the shoulder light bazooka. And that thing was yeah. so much fun. I remember, um, I think this was rentable. And uh, Oh, maybe. I, yeah, I think certain it was rentable places. because because it only worked on certain games. Yeah. Like light, light gun. And I remember playing your. Uh, I think it was. Oh, it's not Yoshi's Cookie. Uh, that, that oh, Yoshi's Safari. Yoshi's Safari. Safari. Thank you. Yeah. So that's the one where it's like, uh, you're riding the back of of Yoshi, and you're like Mario. And you're just shooting shit with the with the bazooka. And it was just. I don't know. The game was just so much fun. Um, yep. They. I think they came out with like. I don't know, like eight games for it. like not not a lot of games yeah. for not much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's like the, the Super Scope Eight Battle Clash, Yoshi Safari. Those are the only ones I even know of. Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Yoshi Safari I, was I, definitely the one that I really, really wanted to play so bad. Yeah, it was. I remember being a lot of fun. I just wish I had like an actual TV to play these games on. If yeah. I still had my Super Scope, I I'd still be playing it. All right, uh, Eat Bit Alchemy, what's your pick? So I am going to pick uh, kind of a, I don't know, controversial one. So I'm picking this because it was my favorite to use, but you could almost never use it, and that's the SNES mouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the SNES mouse was so cool, and getting to play um, Mario Paint with it was really the only honest experience that I got to have with it, but like it seemed 
as though there would be so much more potential that could have been done with the SNES mouse. I mean, imagine a SNES like Shadowgate game, or or a, you know, exactly. Why didn't like, they make point and click? Game? Yeah, like right. a point and click adventure game or something. Perfect. Like there's so because because using the mouse was so much fun. It really felt mm-hmm. awesome. I felt like the button, like the clicking of the two buttons, felt good, and it was just such a different way to control a system. Like I wasn't really super experienced with using a computer so the snes mouse was like so interesting and i really just wish that there was more that you could do with it and well you can you can fuck around with some games with it but it's like so few games were designed to use it and that i think Mm -hmm. is the bummer i would have loved to see more support for that thing because it was so cool yeah super cool parasite steve so for me this is hands down the Super Game Boy adapter. Oh, I, oh, my God, oh yes. my God. So I was not a person who had a Game Boy. And there were Game Boy games I was super jealous of not ever getting to play. And uh, I will tell you right now that chief among those were, were the, the, the Ninja Turtle games. There were three Ninja Turtle games for the Game Boy. I was so bummed I couldn't play these games. I really, really wanted to. I had friends who had like the first one, and and I thought it was really cool. And and uh, there were other games I wanted to play too, you know. But it's like, oh my god, those ones were top on the list. Uh, the Super Super Game Boy was basically this big cartridge that you could stick into the game slot and then it had its own smaller slot that could fit Game Boy games. And so it was just like an adapter. It was super easy. And uh, it would play the the Game Boy game. The Game Boy game would be a little bit smaller than the the full TV. So, it would, like, like Super Game Boy had some uh, like borders that it came with. You could change from different different borders, and uh, it was it was like great. You could also change the colors because, like, obviously, Game Boy games were like spinach creamed spinach colors. But like, you could you could go in there and change. The palette. I mean, there's only four colors, but you could change the palette to whatever you wanted it and save that. I loved that. Yes. I loved that idea. Yep. So you could be pure black and white if you wanted it to be, or you could be whatever colors you wanted, um, as long as it was, you know, on the Super Nintendo's palette. I I loved this. I I my favorite game, the one I was definitely the happiest to play and was most fulfilled by, was that third turtle game. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that Turtles Three, the, yeah. the Radical Rescue, which yeah. I played to me the most, which I played a lot at your house over this one summer, Joe. Yeah. I remember very distinctly playing that at your house, and I remember beating it at your house actually. Yeah, and that game was a very fun game. I was so incredibly happy I got to play that. I loved it. Such a great game. You start out with just Michelangelo, and then you have to actually rescue all the turtles. Even though Leo's on the box by himself, which I think is bizarre, but it's, it's like, well, you don't start with Leo. You start with Mikey. Shouldn't Mikey be on the cover? Right. But, um, yeah, you, you have to rescue the, the turtles one by one. And each turtle has a, their own totally uh, different special attack that lets you, like, actually affect the environment. So, like, it was really worth having all the turtles. It was an awesome game really good game i love that one and also mega man 5 for the game boy is an amazing game um and it's like the only one that doesn't have you know mega man's bosses are always something man you know heat man flame man guts man cut man you know whatever uh this was the one game that like broke that and they were all named after the planets which is yeah so you had like mercury and jupiter and venus and stuff and 
I mean, and then the the final boss was uh, like the Sun Bot, and I mean, it was really like a different Mega Man game story wise. It was so different than you know Wily wasn't behind it all, and um, it was freaking great. Well, I I was blown away at how different and how worthwhile that Mega Man game was, and I'm like, my God, the thought that I almost completely did not ever get to play this is so sad because I just was such a Mega Man fan. And um, yeah, uh, Super Game Boy allowed me to play games that I really, really enjoyed. I hadn't played before. And you're not just, you know, looking at this teeny tiny green and yellow blurry screen. You know, you're you're playing on the TV and you can change the colors like there was it was awesome. It was just such right. a great I think it was yep. definitely the best peripheral. I loved it. Yeah, super awesome. All right. Those were our answers. Now we're going to read off some of your some of our favorite answers that we received on Facebook today. Yes. And you guys left us some uh, some really cool answers. So uh, we'll start off with Mike Levy, who also says the SNES mouse. He says it's pretty dope. Jeremy Jackson says, that bazooka thing I never got to own. Lol. <laughs> Which I replied, super scope. Uh, Josh Neela says, I don't know what peripheral means. I don't know if that <laughs> means game or or what but just judging by other people's answers mario paint was super fun and uh he he was going to mention the super scope six uh but he eventually just picked mario paint and the mouse and all that stuff so that's awesome adam letourneau our, our good buddy says the snes super multi-tab nice which one. is a really great answer, answer. Mm-hmm. This is, this is one of the things i never actually had and uh, he says, no, while it, it necessitated buying more controllers, the ability to play NHL hockey, he likes hockey, by the way, with four yeah. other friends, each one controlling a player on ice was pretty damn cool. I remember this being like packaged with Bomberman, like Super Bomberman. Yes. And that was the main game that I had that you could play you know, with it. And basically, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it just plugged into one of the controller slots and it allowed you to plug in like, three more controllers or whatever yeah it was it was cool like super cool it not not used in most games unfortunately but yeah i mean i i think we were like oh my god could you imagine if you could play all four turtles and yes i was gonna say turtles in time would be like the perfect right right and the problem was you know these games only had one or two players so it's like they had to start developing games for more than two players at once and not a lot of games did it but it was a really great idea and it worked really well and it was uh you know i personally i played so many goddamn hours of super Bomberman. it was ridiculous and it was (laughs) a fun game to play with friends right gregory drott says uh well actually he posted a picture of a stationary bike with a tv i've never heard of this uh, i've never seen a video on this i and uh, he go he goes. That's the Super Nintendo Life Cycle Extertainment bike. <laughs> and I remember Extertainment. I remember seeing a video on that. I think I think it was Stop Skeletons from Fighting uh, covered it, or maybe it was Re uh, Res or something <laughs> so like that. Crazy. One of those two channels covered it. I just that was the most bizarre thing. Um, let's see here. Uh, Perkir Fanar says uh, the. Uh, Mario Paint, the mouse, and all that fun stuff. Yes. Um, nice. Nice. Uh, Steve Setti says, one, cannot believe it's 32 years old. I remember getting that bad boy, and it was probably my favorite system. 
Two, the Super Scope was tops just for looks alone. However, I just wish they did more with it. I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Colleen says, OMG! So my cousins had one, and I wasn't <laughs> allowed to touch it, which is hilarious. Um, it, but, but she loved it to see through the turbo controllers. I guess it was just a... She didn't have a name for it. She couldn't remember the name of it. I, th- I think it's um, called... It's just, it was like the Pro Pad, I think it was called. What was it? Uh, the one that I, doesn't. I, yeah, it's just, it's just a, like a, a see-through controller. You can see like all the the circuits and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, like, yep. Super super nineties thing. Uh, they they did back then. Um, she said that she had a, a clear. She says I I had a clear phone by my bedside that was just like that somehow. Oh yeah, I totally remember cooler. the clear phone. Everybody had that. I, I think that. I had it too. Like oh my god, the clear phone. Yeah, everything uh, was clear at at a certain point. Yeah, it was just the cool thing to do. It's super, very hot right now. Clear is hot. very hot right now. Clear is super in. Hot. Super hot. Clear it's, is the most popular color. Foshar. Santino Mancibo says. Does a Super Game Boy count? To which I reply, "Yep, yes, absolutely." So, oh, you, shit. you bet your life it does. You bet your butt, Santino Mancibo. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys so much for those awesome, awesome answers. Uh, yes. For those who still want to participate, it's your turn to tell us what you think about this week's Octoponder, which was which was or is your favorite SNES peripheral. Um, you can reach us in our popular Facebook group or on Twitter at Redoctopus, or you can always email us at Redoctopus at gmail.com. Do we, should we, should we just say X at this point? <laughs> I know, Twitter's right? It, it's X. not Twitter. It's X. X so I don't know. Uh, it's going to be Twitter not. for so long in the yeah. in just the way that people refer to it. I don't know. Yeah, it'll always be Twitter. Whatever. I'll just keep saying Twitter. Um, anyways, please... If you like what we're doing, leave us a review or a rating on our host sites. Just search Pinecast Retro Week Doctopus. Thank you so much again for those awesome answers. And now we are on to the second half of the episode. And we're just going to like mention like uh, two of our uh, favorite games or memorable games and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll start with... Uh, I'll go last. Uh, so we'll start with Apodocme. All right. Um, yeah, so this was super difficult to, to narrow it down, but, uh, I, I could not, I don't know. There are, there are a few games that I just played so much, uh, that I, I just could not, um, could not ignore. So this, this game is Kirby's Superstar, uh, released on the SNES in 1996, developed by HAL Labs and directed by Masahiro Sakurai, also known as the director of, well, the creator of Kirby and director of most Kirby games, as well as the Super Smash Bros. uh, series. He also directed the sequel to Kid Icarus on the 3DS. Masahiro Sakurai is, uh, he's cool people. He also has a great YouTube channel uh, about game development that he does now. Um, That's really cool. He like candidly talks about game development and it's it's awesome um but uh, yeah so this this game kirby superstar was kind of an unheard of concept it was a compilation of eight plus kirby games uh of various different styles and lengths uh all in one cartridge 
So, you know, you're you're picking it up and you're like, all right, I'm just going to get one Kirby game. But it was all these different ideas that they threw all of them against the wall and they're like, yes, do all of them. Uh, and it made it so cool and fun and different. Mm-hmm. So you start the game out and uh, you have access to a few of them. I'll just run through the different ones. Uh, there is a straight remake of Kirby's Dreamland 1, which is called Spring Breeze. Kirby's Dreamland being for the Game Boy uh, was a really short game. It was only five levels. So they were able to remake that very easily in the Super Nintendo style. A great way to be like, hey, if you like Kirby, this is familiar. And if you don't know Kirby, then this is a great way to get into you know, a yeah. Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You have uh, the like a map screen based, like with a with like a little bit of an overworld map screen and some secret areas uh, where you fight a, a giant bird called Dynablade. Yes, so this was I like a, this was a, 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 yeah. a, you know this was like the next big adventure. It's like okay, you did Spring Breeze. It's just five levels, and then Dynablade's like okay, now you got a map screen. Now you got different levels. You can go back to old levels. You don't need to, but you can. Um, there's hidden exits that you can find to unlock rooms that are filled with uh, special abilities. And just in case nobody has played a Kirby game or someone listening has not ever touched Kirby, his whole gimmick is to swallow enemies and, and copy their power. Um, so, you know, these these secret rooms that you would find would have all the different copy abilities. So you could just pick from like 10 different ones and, and just choose whatever power you wanted to go forward with. Um, there was my personal favorite, which is the sprawling epic treasure hunt that has backtracking and replay value and over 60 hidden treasures to find called the Great Cave Offensive. Uh, Definitely my that- favorite too. Oh, man. I mean, I played that for years. I played that for years because I was always trying to get all the treasures. And as a kid, you know, it's like I didn't have the walkthrough. I didn't have guides. And I I didn't, like, look everything up until much later. Um, But, you know, you're constantly just like, okay, well, I, I beat the game, but I only got you know, 45 treasures. And then, so then you're like, let me go through it again and, and try to try to look for what I missed. And maybe yeah. you'll find one or two more, um, but they were really well hidden. And that just made it so much fun. And a lot of the treasures had like cool references to other like Nintendo properties. Like you could find like Captain Falcon's helmet and you could find like the screw attack from Super Metroid. And you could just do... Like there, there was a bunch of silly ones too. Um, I remember there was a treasure called the bucket, and that's actually from Mario and Wario. It's supposed to be the bucket that Mario has stuck on his head when he's when he's like stumbling around. Like, there's so many awesome deep references. I thought you were gonna say it's the bucket that Mario was forced to pee in when <laughs> Wario took him prisoner and put him in the brig. Pee on this. No, uh, it was stuck on his head, but it was a very dumb oh. premise for that game to be like, oh, Mario, yeah, you're stuck in a bucket. It's like, dude, take the bucket off. <laughs> right. You can't possibly tell me that your hands are that immobilized by a bucket. Um, there, After that, you got the cinematic story-heavy quest to defeat Meta Knight and his crew in Revenge of Meta Knight. Uh, very, very cool You know, departure. You have a lot of different, like, uh, they're not cutscenes, but like all of Meta Knight's, you know, he's he's kind of like the main rival for Kirby, 
and his crew would have all these different face graphics and they would talk to each other and be like kirby's you know here and he's he's in the ship he's in the engine room right now okay we have to deploy heavy lobster make sure that he gets you know stopped in his tracks before he makes it too far like you had like this different kind of narrative going on throughout the game that was cool and and you know wasn't in any of the other ones um and obviously meta knight's just so cool uh then the big final like biggest adventure you got to do was uh it's like a galactic battle across all these different planets um and you had to restore the the life of this giant wish granting comet called nova and uh and the idea was like there was some you know battle happening between the sun and the moon and kirby's planet was in danger so this interstellar being named marx told kirby that if he went and went, visited all nine planets and got these like whatever these like different essences or something he could restore nova and make a wish and wish that the sun and the moon would stop fighting uh except when you do that and you restore everything and and you're about to make the wish marx comes out of nowhere knocks kirby aside and he steals the wish and says i wish to be the most powerful creature ever and he turns into this fucking nightmare fueled clown demon and he's the last boss and it's awesome <laughs> it's like wow. so cool oh, I, I don't I remember that. that that's so crazy yeah it's it's pretty wild it's it's um it's it's great i mean that that final boss to me was the most most uh memorable just because i i played through superstar so many times um but yeah that that fight was awesome and then there was a bunch of other like mini games too there was gourmet race where you had to race against king ddd eat the most food and also come in first place there was a uh, samurai kirby where you're trying to just basically time your button press to be like the fat like it's like a quick draw you know you're like you'll hear like a, a sound and you have yeah. to hit your button first oh, yeah. and, and yeah. defeat I all the enemies i love that game i love yeah games. And the designs for like all the different you know samurai kind of versions so of characters cool, are so yeah. cool. Um, there was yeah. Megaton Punch where you had like three different like very precise timed button presses you had to do, yeah. and uh, and you would like you know punch the ground and crack these blocks, and like if you did it right, you'd crack the fucking earth in half. It was <laughs> like insane. You just nice break the star half. clean in half. You're like, holy crap. Love, love oh, me too. I loved that one so much. It was it was funny because this was the era where like playing these little mini games in a video game was actually something that I did with like my friends and stuff like that. Like I think a lot of games now include mini games and they might be like a fun distraction for a little bit. Um, but Superstar was was really multiplayer focused. Like everything in the game let you do two player. Um, but but like me and my friends played Megaton Punch and and Samurai Kirby like a lot. And it's just so funny to think of it. They're so simple. It's just just yeah. button pressing. Well, who but who can who can break the earth more? And uh, I don't know. It was right. just it was just kind of fun. And then there was also two um, two modes. There was the arena where you had to fight every boss in the game, or you had to fight thirty bosses, I think. And then uh there was a if you beat the arena you unlocked the true arena which was really difficult and had every single boss in the entire game front to back uh that you had to beat in a in a row and that is not easy i don't think i ever beat it i beat i beat the arena but i never beat true arena and you also unlocked a sound test um after you beat the arena which was cool nice uh but yeah so you know the game game would 
really encourage you to play multiplayer. Like I said, Kirby can suck up an enemy and get their power, but he could also, once he had a power, he could decide to use it to create a buddy. And if he created mm. a buddy, they would have that ability. Um, they would look like the enemy that he got it from. And then you could have them either be controlled by the computer or you could have someone pick up player two controller and play as that character. That's always so awesome. fun. That. It's yeah. so much fun. And and they're totally different than Kirby. You know, they look completely different. Um, yep. So it's really neat. Uh, the music in this game is frankly, to me, the best in the series. I mean, Almost every single song from Kirby Superstar has gone on to become part of like the the musical zeitgeist of Kirby. Like you hear these songs in like every Kirby game somewhere. Mm. Um, and uh, it was composed by Jun Ishikawa and Dan Miyakawa. Uh, Jun Ishikawa has composed music for just about every Kirby game, uh, even so far as he wrote a twelve song album for the Kirby Cafe chain of restaurants in japan there is a special one hour album that they play in these kirby cafes in japan and it was it was all remixes of songs by uh junishikawa so like dude is he's got like you know he's like i'm, I'm the kirby music guy <laughs> like, <this is> <laughs> thing. um which is something to be said because damn kirby music's awesome but yeah i Kirby Superstar. I mean, I I just love this game to pieces, and and really like. I think as the years have gone on, like I've sort of, I I've still kept playing like a lot of the Kirby games as they come out, but I've sort of drifted away from it being like one of my main big fandoms. But it's it's almost just because there's so much of it, it it almost yeah. like dilutes it. It dilutes it. But like at that time, it's like I was I was high on that friggin' Kirby adventure for the NES. And then Kirby's Dreamland Three for the SNES and Kirby Superstar for the SNES, and holy crap! I mean, that was like some of my favorite stuff right there. And then extend that when Kirby in the in the Crystal Shards came out for the N sixty four. Oh my god, I was so so pumped for that game, and that game still is excellent. Uh, but yeah, Superstar is where it's at. It did get a remake, um, Kirby Superstar Ultra for the Nintendo DS uh, later on in the two thousands, and that is from what i see on the internet actually how a lot of people played that game um because a lot of people you know are younger that are in the gaming community and are uh are got introduced to it for the first time on the ds and i think it has a bunch of extra stuff in it but i've i've actually never played it so i don't know all the extra stuff that's in there but man that super nintendo one still kicks but i love nice. it love it. Nice. awesome that's a, that's a fun game for sure oh man oh so yeah fun. Absolutely. Amazing. All right, Parasite Steve. Okay, so you know, I I picked two my two games. One of them is like a classic that must be mentioned, uh, and one of them is a little bit more of a esoteric pick that you know you might not think of. But this game, before I say the name of it, it is generally listed in the top 100 SNES games of all time on various lists. I would put it much higher than it usually ends up placing in the 90s. I, I would put it in the definitely the top 50, easy. Uh, and probably personal, it's in my top 20. I mean, I just love this game. Uh, so the thing the thing about this game is that um, it, is, it is a licensed game, and it is a licensed game for like the looney tunes side of things <laughs> uh generally those games were not very good 
Um, but to be fair, those games were generally not made by Konami. So Konami yeah. gets their hands on this this property and makes uh, three games out of it. I think they I think they made all three for the one for the NES, one for the Super Nintendo, and one for the Genesis. And the property is Tiny Toon Adventures. The game I'm talking about is Tiny Toon Adventures Buster Busts Loose. And I am telling you right now, folks, this is one of the best licensed games of all time. It is a really unbelievably gorgeous game. I think it is one of the best looking games on the system and it never gets credit as such. But now remember, you know, it's, you know, if you're going for like photorealistic and the thing that blows your skirt up is, uh, you know, Super Castlevania 3 or uh, Super Castlevania 4, like uh, like Demon's Crest or something badass like that or Act Razor or something like that. Okay, this is very different. This is cartoony, but it is like insanely good looking. They they did they did shading on everything. Nothing's flat, um, and it really truly looks like the cartoon. Um, the sprites are humongous. Uh, Buster is a really decent sized main character to control. Unfortunately, you know you only get to be Buster, but you know, and they kind of told you in the title, Buster is the one busting loose after all. But yeah. you know the the Nintendo one for the eight bit Nintendo is another fantastic game, and you got to play four characters. So it's like okay, and that even got a sequel. And then uh, I think you could play multiple characters in the Genesis one too, or was that just another no, Buster I, I only? That's just a Buster only Buster. So, but so, but all the, all the games, like I was saying, like you know, they're all utterly different, like not even versions of each other or anything like that. So completely different. So this game. It's funny. He's wearing like a loincloth or something on the cover. Like, no, he's just wearing like shorts. He's wearing Bermuda shorts, um, which he does not wear in the game. But uh, this is this is not like an insanely long game. But every level has like I think three parts and then a boss fight. And they're all very unique from each other. They pull from different episodes of the show, oftentimes. And they're just fun. They're like, you know, movie sets, supposedly. So they're all different types of movies you're going through. Uh, you start out and you're actually... It's a, probably the only real set. <laughs> the only the only level that's not a set is the uh, Acme Luniversity, which is their high school. <laughs> yep. And that ends with a really memorable, very fun, very different boss fight with Dizzy Devil, and he looks absolutely amazing. And yeah. um, and you have to get him. He's like wreaking havoc in the cafeteria, and you have to get him to uh, eat like enough food to uh, fall asleep and stop his rampage. So you don't, you know, you don't hurt him. Um, and it's just a very unique boss fight. It's very fun. Um, and, you know, you go into like a Wild West level and then there's like a Haunted Mansion level and, you know, it just goes They're They're just all different. In between levels, there is a there is a really fun like Wheel of Fortune style bonus. Uh, it's, it's not one bonus game. It's many bonus games. You have a Wheel of Fortune thing and it'll stop on a different whatever the game is. And it's a uh, it's a different character, a different Tiny Toon, because, you know, those who remember, who remember Tiny Toons, remember, there's like a ton of characters. There's a ton so um they worked in a lot of the side characters in the game as cameos wherever they could and um 
it was really fun. Some of the, some of the are some of those bonus games were incredibly fun. Um, and I mean, you know, as far as, uh, like the way that Buster controlled, you had like this dash maneuver that it would slowly fill up on its own. And then you would press the dash button and he would, you know, go super fast, but he would also be able to run up walls when he, when he was doing that. Yeah. So right, you yep. had to use that mechanic uh, to get around the levels a lot of times. And some of the levels would like auto scroll. I think a lot of the levels auto scrolled, which yeah. is different. Like it's like, that's like a run and gun thing. That's not like a, it's not a typical platforming thing to really, well, I mean, there, there are like Mario levels that auto scroll, but it's not a typical thing. Generally you're moving the camera by just progressing. But anyway, uh, I guess I guess I don't really have too much to say other than that. It's just in all the ways I think personally, like a perfect game. Like the 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 it's the controls good. The levels are incredibly diverse and fun and different, and the graphics are absolutely top notch. The music yeah. is amazing, and they also you know there is a secret thing you can do in the game and it involves a, a secret final boss there's there's certain things you have to do and uh there's there is a map screen kind of like a mario world or something like that although you can't go back to old levels unfortunately but um there's something you do i, I don't really remember what the deal is but there's like a a spaceship moving around the map sometimes and if it's over a certain level at the right time you can do something or whatever and you unlock um you unlock a secret boss battle with duck vader or something like that and it's 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 some extra level i can't remember what because duck vader oh, is the final yeah. boss but i remember yeah, that yeah. i remember there's something else with the spaceship that you can i do. remember the the one from the nes did something like that too it was like, it was oh, I like a i don't secret think so boss battle yeah I don't remember that. I could but, be remembering wrong, but but I I know there's something like that with with wrong. this yeah. with a uh, some sort of extra like Star Wars type level because the the deal was uh, the final level of it is like a Star Wars parody, and uh, you fight you know Duck Vader at the end of it who is pulled from one of the episodes, um, and then when you defeat him. Um, he takes off his helmet and it's Plucky Duck just playing a playing the role. And then, you know, it's playing the final, the, the, you know, the game winning music and uh, like characters pick up the background and move it. And they like just cart oh, yeah. it off and you see, you're just on a movie set. It's just, it's just awesome. It really is. A, there's so much charm to this game. And yeah. uh, I just, I love it to pieces. This is definitely one of those games that I played through and beat like a thousand times because it was just a joy to play. Honestly, the, if, if I could change anything about it, I would have said like, I would have loved it if you could um, had more levels and, you know, you could go back to old levels and there was maybe a, an exploration sort of, um aspect where there were things you could find um that was a little little bit of little bit more depth to it or something like that rather than just getting through the levels but right. honestly uh other than that i mean i just have no complaints i love this game right. so if you've never played buster bust loose and you're a fan of the super nintendo please try it out it's a really good one right yep i i, I love this game as well i mean i immediately when I think of this game, I immediately think of the second level, which is the uh, the Western one, mm. and the, the, the train part is the one that auto scrolls. 
and and there's like certain parts where where you're required to dash so you had to make sure that your dash meter was full otherwise you're fucked yeah you can't yeah exactly you dead you're dead and you'd hear the train whistle it's like me yeah, and then you had to jump just at the right time i hear that immediately is that the train <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the, I, I love the nes game and the genesis one was okay this one yeah, is definitely my favorite of them even though the nes one honestly is truly great and is actually a lot harder um yes. it's more of a rewarding game to to finish i think this one's sort of easy breezy but um just a joy to play right and again like going back to earlier in the episode where each system would put out you know the same uh, licensed game and put they're yeah. all different so different yeah and totally yeah, different. Super Nintendo one is just just the better one in my opinion anyways yeah i you know what i yeah. was so uh my final thing is i have a very distinct memory of buying this game and i bought two games that day i think it was the only time i ever did that oh, i never did that i never had extra money but uh for some reason i had enough and i bought two games on the same day the day that this came out this came out february 93 mm -hmm. uh so actually no it was the day that the other game came out a month later, X-Men for the Genesis was released. And I bought X-Men for the Genesis and Buster Bust Loose the exact same day. And I was so proud of my purchase. I'm like, this is going to be the best day of my life. And I ended up really not liking Genesis X-Men at all. I was super <laughs> disappointed. And to this day, I think it's a piece of crap game. But hey, yeah. But Buster Bust Loose, which I went home thinking was going to be the, the one I was going to care less about. I was like so expecting X-Men to be like the best thing ever. And and I got computer farts. And then like, you know, Buster Bust Loose. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the best Super Nintendo game. How did this happen? But I just have I, those two are linked in my brain because I bought them on the same day. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh my my first pick is a game. Released by Konami, big surprise coming from me. Um, I was today years old when I found out that uh, this game was originally an arcade, uh, and then got ported to the Super Nintendo as one of the first games to come out for the system, and that is Gradius Three. Hmm. So, oh yeah, Gradius Three came out in 1989, and then uh, like years later, it got re-released. The arcade version got re-released with the uh the two two in one package of uh gradius four with gradius three the arcade oh, okay um which i've never played i've never played uh four um but i played five and five was so fucking hard <laughs> holy shit <laughs> um so the the difference between the arcade and the super nintendo was that they uh some of the 3d effects were taken out for the Super Nintendo, and they took out two of the levels because I guess the the system just couldn't handle it. Um, but anyways, uh, the, the game came out in '91, and uh, you get to play as the Vic Viper Starfighter, which is you know in like every Gradius game ever. Um, and also, this game is very well known for its massive, massive slowdown. And oh, hackers, yep. like years and years later, uh, came out with a hack where they fixed that problem. 
so you can play the game and not have any slowdown issues whatsoever. Hmm. I I mostly remember like the the water level or like all, all those bubbles that you see the, the big bubbles and then you shoot them and then they get turned like four bubbles and you shoot those and they turn like smaller bubbles. It was like yep. all over the screen and that was like like this system was like, yeah, I can't deal. I can't I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just just struggling to just you know just scroll through the the level. But uh, the, the game is really cool. I like it a lot. The, the music is fantastic. And uh, yeah. just like with, with any other Gradius game, uh, you pick up uh, these little uh, little power-up icons. And you can uh, uh, you go through. The more you pick, the, the more the, uh, the, the choices like move. So like in the bottom screen, you see... It is a up. weird system, the way Gradius... Yeah, very, very weird system. Uh, so on the bottom of the screen, you see speed up, missile, double, laser, option, um, and then a question, question mark and an explanation point. I don't remember what those two are. I know one of them was a, a force field, um, but I don't remember what the other one was. Um, but what was cool was that um, you can get four, four options... I think you can double up on the weapons on, on this, if I remember correctly. Like you can get like two missiles, and I think the uh, the missiles will be like stronger and faster, or something like that. And okay. the same thing with the doubles and lasers and all that stuff. Um, the game had, uh, I think, five levels. It's not very long of a game, but it's also not very easy either it's no right the challenge it's, makes the game very, longer very challenging is like oh my you, god it's like you touch anything you're fucking gone yeah um although the bosses are so good in this game oh, oh yeah the bosses are fantastic um the there is a, a cheat in this game where if you pause the game and you do the the konami code you get you get all the options all the lasers the missiles all that fun the stuff. Whole suite. Deal, the whole the whole deal. And you can only do that once per level. But once you lose it, that's it. Like if you die, then you're screwed. Yeah. Um, but if you do the Konami code, instead of hitting start, you hit select, you just self-destruct, which is such an odd thing to do. <laughs> like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I just want to go boom. They're trolling the player. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not much to say about the game. I mean, the the graphics are beautiful, the music is fantastic, the sound yeah. effects, like everything. I honestly this- thought that bubble boss was really impressive. Just the way that oh, yeah. you had to like hit it in the center, and like it, the way that it. It, it, it like made it so it looked like you're digging into the bubble, but the surface isn't breaking. It's just like changing the yeah, shape, just, just the shape of the, it's just of the, the bubble. And there's yeah. like eyes with like a nervous system in there with all veins and stuff. And yeah. just a, a bizarre boss, but like very memorable. Yeah, like right. that bubble boss to me was like the one I always thought of for years. Um, and the yeah. final boss is awesome. That it's like this big alien head, just like crammed into a wall it's but its forehead is humongous and it goes up up onto the ceiling it's really really cool looking right yeah so that's gradius 3 a very very cool game very challenging yeah Um, i I have no track on vinyl it's got amazing music nice yeah i mean all the gradius games do right it's Konami. yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I loved this game when it came out. This was like my favorite shmup at the time. And it's funny because over time, my opinion of Gradius has like really uh, waned because I, I yeah. realized how much I didn't like the power up system. I just, yes. I just kind of hate it. So at the time it was like, oh, this is just, this is it. This is, this is the, I don't know. This is the game. I hadn't played that many shmups. And, uh, and it's like, okay, whatever, this is what you're supposed to do. But, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, no, I, I really, I really don't like it because you, in the, in the early level, like you're able to do it and you get, you got to, you know, spend a bunch on speed because you move too slow. You're so incredibly slow. Super slow. Yes. I think they just yeah. really, it wouldn't be so bad if you weren't like, you got to buy like three or four speeds to get like a decent feeling speed. Yeah. Like that's just unnecessary. Like just make it weapons. Like that would be better, but right. you know, it gets hard and you're like, okay, well when you die one time, it almost feels like, okay, forget it. You have to do the game in one guy basically. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's like, it's so, because the game is so tough. So if you die, you, you work so hard getting all these power-ups. You get it takes to forever. To, and in the later yeah. levels are so much harder. So you yeah, never get a The levels to. are not short either. They're pretty yeah. low. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I did I did love this game a lot. Yeah. Really cute. All right, 8-Bit Alchemy. Hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. So the second pick, uh, I, I had to go with an RPG. Uh, there's there's no shortage of RPGs. It's my favorite genre. The Super Nintendo is the golden console for classic Super uh, classic RPG games. And uh, the one that really started it all for me was Super Mario RPG. Yes. Um, released on the SNES in 1996 as well. What a friggin' great year! For that right. system, yeah, man, jeez, right. I'm I'm all set. Got <laughs> Kirby, got Mario RPG. Uh, so it was developed by SquareSoft in collaboration with Nintendo. Uh, as the title may suggest, the game is a turn-based RPG featuring Mario characters as well as plenty of new original faces. Um, that honestly, the fans just never stopped loving and really never got any more of uh mallow and gino and booster and smithy and all these friggin i don't know just wild cool creative characters that are throughout that and game. bowyer and bowyer who freaking used his bow and arrow to shoot your buttons so that way you couldn't press certain buttons during the fight with him so cool uh, so this game would be the very first time that Mario and the concept of an RPG would cross over, uh, but it would really have a lasting impact and quite a legacy uh, because it would go on to spawn two completely separate Mario RPG series of games. There are the Paper Mario games, uh, which were originally the very first Paper Mario on the N64, was in early development a Super Mario RPG 2. Uh, and so that game kind of got its own identity, became the Paper Mario series. And then later on, on the Game Boy Advance, you got Mario and Luigi. And the Mario and Luigi series went on to have five or so entries in it all in itself. And it all started with Super Mario RPG. Um, and yet, you know, none of, none of them truly to me, felt like a direct sequel to uh, Super Mario RPG. But hey, you know, yeah. whatever, I digress. I am certainly happy because I have played almost all of these Mario RPG games. And honestly, they're all good. Like, it's such a solid 
franchise, it's crazy. Like they're just they're so fun. Um, so the story of the Super Nintendo original uh, first game is that the Mushroom Kingdom has been taken over by Smithy and his gang who have wrested control of Bowser's keep from Bowser and uh, are basically cranking out soldiers and they're just going to take over the planet. They're going to take over the Mushroom Kingdom and they've done it before. They've done it to other planets and so now it's the Mushroom Kingdom's turn but not if Mario and co. have anything to say about it. Um, so the story is pretty simplistic. Uh, you have to go about the kingdom and seek out the seven stars in order to use their power to repel uh, Smithy from Bowser's castle, enter his dimension, and fight him and defeat him once and for all. Um, the game has a pretty unique combat system. Uh, the way that you would yeah. fight enemies was, you know, you, you could see the enemies on the screen, so you didn't have random battles, which was a big staple of a lot of RPGs at the time. Um, but also, once you were in battle, um, you had all of your actions set to a dedicated button. So A button was for attacking, the B button was for defending or escaping the y button was for special moves and the x button was for items and then when you chose that you wanted to attack with a certain character if you pressed the a button at the exact moment that your your character made contact with the enemy it would do an extra animation and play an extra sound and deal more damage so it was injecting a kind of like active timing system to what is normally a pretty like passive gameplay experience. Usually you just pick what move you want to do and you watch the guy do it and that's it. But Super Mario RPG was like, no, there's button pressing, pay attention. And uh, <laughs> that stuff was honestly such a simple innovation and it's so good, it's so fun. And seriously, like not that many games since then have used this. It's kind of crazy to me that more games did not go for the the active timing based thing. Although believe, it was, I believe you know what random game did on the the PlayStation One, Beyond the Beyond. Oh no shit! That's a that's Be, a cool Beyond game. the Beyond, Beyond the Beyond. beyond. Yeah, that's a I cool game because from that's beyond one the of beyond. the. That's one of the first games uh, made by Camelot, who would go on to do Golden Sun. Uh, all the Golden Sun games, and uh, as well as uh, some of the Shining games, they did Shining the Holy Ark, and um, oh yeah, and a, and a handful of others. But yeah, so they they have a real style. Unfortunately, they are totally relegated to only making Mario sports games now, and it honestly makes me very very sad because they they have the fiery passion of an amazing RPG company in their blood, and uh, they're just stuck making Mario sports games. It's like. It, it drives me crazy but yeah that that active thing is so excellent and all of the you know even though all the um paper mario and mario and luigi games are also different from each other they all have that active component they all have that timing thing so that's like one that. one element that never went away and i think that's so important it makes them so fun um so, so yeah, the timing was cool. Also, you could do it when you got attacked. If an enemy attacked you and you pressed the button at the right moment, you would block and do, you know, take way less damage. So you could actually kind of get good at different yeah. enemies. You could, like, learn their timing and learn the attacks. And, and it, it just made it a little bit more, you know, something more to do there. Um, the game had a very good sense of humor. 
honestly very funny throughout a lot of different parts and i think a good chunk of that from what i've seen um from like different comparisons is actually the localization um the north american localization for this game took a lot of liberties with the original japanese script and just made it like way funnier like every chance that it could and uh to the game's benefit like it's it's great there's some excellent dialogue all throughout it and um and Mario, you know, he doesn't he doesn't talk, he doesn't say anything. He's just the, the mute protagonist, but he does a lot of like physical pantomiming. So he'll like shake his head yes or shake his head no, or he'll like jump if he agrees with something, or he'll like do like charades at parts of the game where he'll like be trying to explain something to someone and his graphic is like frantically like moving his hands and running around in a circle and then he'll like transform into Bowser and be like, you know, I don't know, he like he just does like all these wacky ass things to try and explain something without talking and it's really funny it's it's very very cool and different uh and i appreciate the heck out of that um and then um i mean i i always have to mention the music um this game was the soundtrack was done by yoko shimamura and yoko shimamura is a really really renowned composer um that's been with square enix for a super long time uh but most notably, you may know her from a small, very, very, very small franchise known as Kingdom Hearts. Never heard uh, of it. Yeah, hmm. it's pretty obscure. So she hmm. kind of got like a dollar for doing that. And, and that was Kingdom it. Hearts 33 and a third? Uh, 358 over two days. Um, but no, I, I see what you're going for. <laughs> little naked gun reference. Uh, but yeah, so um, great music earworms galore uh, me and my buddy dan have pretty much since knowing each other always in some way or another like made up lyrics to a variety of the songs from this game and we just sort of do it off the cuff like we'll just like listen to the soundtrack and just say random words and it's <laughs> seriously one of our favorite pastimes is just go on youtube look up the song for rose town from Super Mario RPG and tell me you don't have a smile on your face. You're going to start coming up with words to the song after like five minutes, trust me. Um, but yeah, I love this game to pieces. And uh, and honestly, I mean, this year my mind was just completely blown to smithereens when Nintendo announced that they were doing a remake of Super Mario RPG on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, I never, ever thought it would happen because forever the rumor was always that Square and Nintendo had like a falling out and they weren't going to work together or, or do anything, you know, or, you know, the rights for that were kind of like stuck in hell or some kind of limbo situation. And I mean, seriously, Super Mario RPG has not been re-released on anything ever. It wasn't on the SNES Classic. It was never ported to the Game Boy Advance. It's not on the Virtual Console for the Switch. Uh, I, I'm honestly not even sure if it was on the Virtual Console for the Wii or the Wii it, U. It was on the Wii. I have was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so at least it got a, a, a second chance there. But the game has not really been given a lot of opportunities to come back around. Um, and it's right. crazy because it never stopped being a part of the conversation. People love this game. Right. Um, and people just wanted just, a true sequel. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted a true sequel. So, so with this remake, um, it's, it's really, really just heartwarming and awesome. And I, I can't wait for it. It's definitely my, my most 
my most excited for game this year. Uh, yeah. But also, you know, who knows? Maybe it's going to do really friggin' well, and maybe they'll make a sequel. No, um, I was just thinking that, too. I don't yeah. know. I mean, and, and the wild thing about it, too, is that the actual, the original creators and director for the game and all that stuff who worked on it on the Super Nintendo, they didn't even know that they were doing a remake. Um, you know, Nintendo and Square Enix uh, just worked out the details on their own and, and decided to go forward with it. But you got to figure this game came out in 96 you're talking like 30 years ago these people have different jobs now they have totally you know their careers take them totally different places so now it's like in the hands of a whole new group of people and who knows what could happen uh so i i would love to see a sequel that would be amazing yeah, absolutely um, but yeah i mean that you know that that's all i have to say you know i could gush for for hours and hours but really it's just uh it's a seriously like in my top 10 rpgs ever uh, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty close to the top of the list actually mm-hmm. yeah. um if it's not number one but yeah what a what a cool game really. it was also the first rpg i ever played as well yeah you you introduced me to it i had never played an rpg and you're like i think this game was a really great like intro to the genre and and you know check it out you know give it a shot start a new game do you remember what i named my save file steve no. This is this is how young I, I was when I named it. I, I named my save file, you know, you can always put in your name when you start a new game. My my name was Pokemon. <laughs> like I literally didn't know what to write and I was like, I don't want to just put Tim and and you're like, I don't know, whatever, just put like whatever, it doesn't matter. And so I'm like, okay. And so I I, I put Pokemon. I wrote so so my save file on on our our cartridge, uh, you know, wherever wherever it is now uh, in your house or something, <laughs> it says Pokemon. Oh, that battery <laughs> backup failed long ago. I don't know though. Sometimes they last. Sometimes they last. <laughs> but yeah, pretty pretty friggin' funny. I mean, I was so yeah. so young, but um, yeah, awesome game. Absolutely, yeah. I pre-ordered the, the remake. Yes, I, yes. I can't, I can't wait to play. I that had one. to get the physical edition pre-ordered. I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm lessening how many physical games I buy now. Uh, but this one was like, uh, yeah, no, I don't care. Yeah, this is th- those certain games that you just have to have the physical. Yeah, yeah that's sure. definitely how I felt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. Awesome, nice. awesome. Parasite Steve. Yes, sir. So this is my more like had to couldn't not mention type game. Um, there are so many, and obviously we're we're you know we didn't pick so many classic games. So you know everybody <laughs> could be like, well, how did you not mention Super Metroid or uh, you know so many right, which ones. is link- killing us. You know, right. and, like, and link yes. to the past, and there's so many, so many, so many. So just this is but this also is those are like the yet. obvious ones as well. Yeah, so so I feel like this is obvious, probably not as obvious as Super Metroid or Link to the Past, but it's up there for me anyway. But uh, I'm going to go with Mega Man X, the first one. Um, oh, boy. Yep. As said, you know, Mega Man was like, you know, I was a gigantic fan on the NES from the original game. Um, yep. In fact, Mega Man 2 was like the first time I was excited for a, a, a video game sequel uh, that... I mean, unless that came out after Mario three, Mario three, Mario two came out and I didn't, I don't think I had a Nintendo even at that point. I think Mario two was already out before I, so I wasn't like excited for it. I do remember being 
preposterously excited for Mario Mario 3. But I think Mega Man 2, I don't remember which game came out first. I feel like Mega Man 2 did, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Those are probably the first two sequels that I really was excited for, for a video game, you know? And, oh my God, Mega Man 2, I was just dying for. So when Mega Man was going to join the Super Nintendo, and not only that, but it was going to be cooler. It was going to be the cooler, more adult-looking anime version of Mega Man. He didn't look like a little boy anymore. He looked like a cool 90s teen and his armor was like incredible. He's all and he uh, was so different. Mega Man X was coming out. I had this poster. You guys remember yes. Nintendo Powers used to always come with, with a fold-out poster that was in the gatefold. And I had this poster. I don't remember what uh, issue it came, came with, but it came way, way, way before the game was, was out. I mean, it was part of the hype train. And this poster had like this great picture of Mega Man X jumping and he's kind of like in a spotlight. I found it on Google just now and we didn't know much about this game at all. This is the first time we got to see what, who the who the the bosses were and we're like, "What? They're not like, you know, Heat Man, Cut Man. They're like animal guys. Like that's so different. That's so much cooler." And they had all the bosses and all their names. They had it was the first time we saw Sigma and he was labeled. And behind behind Mega Man X was this new character who was red and had long yellow hair, and his name was Zero. And we didn't even know honestly if it was a guy or a girl. I remember there were some people were convinced that it was a girl. I remember they were like convinced. And I mean, we didn't know who that was if that was a playable character or we're like who is zero and like i had that up on my wall forever i loved that poster and i cannot tell you the hype train for this the, this game for me like it was ridiculous i was i was on like i went to my local video game store electronics boutique so much at the at the local mall that like the guy who worked there knew my voice like instantly and wow. I would call and I remember calling so many times when this game was supposed to be due out because this really was like before internet. So we weren't positive. It's not like it is today. They would say like, oh, a game is supposed to be out in February. So you'd be like, okay, well, we're six days into February. I guess I'll call to see if it's out, you know, and uh, right. And then it's not. And then it's like, okay, a week goes by, call again. A week goes by, call again. You're like, oh my God, it said February. Um, so this game didn't necessarily come out in February. Uh, it came out, um, let's see, first release December 17th, 1993. Um, eventually, uh, I I put my name on a list. That's something you could do at Electronics yeah. Boutique. And uh, they would call you. So you stop calling the fucking store. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's probably probably invented this just for me at this particular time. You guys have battletoads. Fuck off. <laughs> Hook off. Um, and and so I got the call and I remember I, I remember like for some reason I was pretty sure it was gonna be out that week, so I was waiting for like a, a random call and I I did get it and it was it was clearly the guy at Electronics Boutique. He's like, Steve, and I'm like, Yeah, he's like, It's David Electronics Boutique, you know what I'm gonna say? And I'm like, um, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, is it, is it real? Is it real? He's like, we got it in. We got it in, man. Mega Man X. It's in the store. I'm like, oh my God. <sighs> like just unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I was I was four at the time, and I mean, oh my god, I was just beyond excited for this game. Oh my god! So, um, and it's one of those times when, despite the hype train being like through the goddamn stratosphere, the game delivered. I mean, it just absolutely delivered on mm. every level it was better than i could have possibly imagined as a Mega Man fan they added things like you know you could have you, you had to build the armor by finding the four dr light capsules and just the story of like oh this was like you know it's a, a hundred years in the future a thousand years in the future or whatever it is and it's like oh yeah the x was the final robot that um the dr light made you know all those years ago and he was in stasis and he just was activated randomly and and just a really fun story and of course we learned who zero was and um you know i i just i just love that first mega man x i love all three on the super nintendo so very much but mm -hmm. it's just that that first one was the first one and uh you know it it had all those trappings for me like the excitement was just so high and uh and there's that phone call and everything i got from electronics right. for tk uh i think That's his name so was dave. cool his name was dave yeah. that guy um dave. Uh, here's steve I, it's dave from electronics Boutique. Yeah. you know what i'm gonna say you know what i'm gonna say oh I remember I, I literally remember where i was standing in the house like it's, it's no shit so that's crazy. a core memory that's a core yeah. memory man it is that's awesome <laughs> it is so um yeah i mean uh you know the bosses are so great in this game um you know i think that um i think it needs to be mentioned that launch octopus is one of the bosses and uh you know obviously if if the retro Redoctopus podcast has a has an analog character in the Mega Man universe i think it's it's launch octopus i mean i think we're all oh yeah oh yeah it's yeah. launching um, and uh just just great i i don't think they really ever topped the roster of bosses in the Mega Man x universe ever i think that yeah. this had like the highest quality which makes sense because you're it's like the first one you're doing like all the things you would want to do boomer yep. kuanger is the only like weird one i think but there's so yeah, many great animals like they bug. picked and yeah just kind of a weird choice but like i mean i mean sting chameleon was so freaking cool and yeah. armored armadillo there's so many great ones storm um, eagle storm eagle is just storm amazing eagle. yeah um, spark angel flame spark mammoth chill penguin yeah and uh 8-bit you actually not that people are watching the video version but you actually have some perler bead sprites of Mega Man x characters in your backdrop permanently and uh, I, do. I made those for you years and years ago yep. you have zero yep. x vile and you actually have a storm eagle somewhere back there that I, I do yeah storm eagle is actually just ever so slightly off camera i wished i could have gotten him in the frame but i need to get garland in there too obviously everybody can tell because you're listening to this not watching it uh <laughs> but yeah so the the x that i have is actually the x2 armor because we always <laughs> thought the x2 armor was the was that is the my favorite yeah, yeah that's my and i agree i mean x1 is my favorite game of the trilogy but yes. it's also like it's it, you know it's the thing i always say it's like it was the first one for me it was so good yeah. and it's so yeah. so intensely playable x2 mm -hmm. i think it's just a little too hard uh i can play through Mega Man x like 
no no nobody's business no problem, no problem. Yeah. x2 it's like uh the x hunters are hard as fuck like i don't know yeah i, I have yeah, a hard it, time it did, it did amp, amp up the difficulty one yeah. thing i just want to say before stopping is the the i love this concept so much and i wish further games later games did it more and i don't feel like they did but i love the idea so if you beat you know i'm probably going to screw this up but i think if you beat the penguin stage versus the ice level i'm pretty sure if you beat that before beating um the the lava stage the lava stage would be like all the flames would be out yeah it'd be all if ice you, yeah it'd be like all all like all the lava's doused and smoking and all the fires are out and you could actually go down and walk where you could not walk before because there was lava down there and you could get like power-ups that that you could only do that way if you did yep. it in that yeah, order. like a, like a yeah. container or something and yeah i, I, I swear to god i love that any other on. one i don't think I know that or three had that component at all and oh man my god dude, i that... wish i wish they like figured out all like more ways of doing mm -hmm. stuff like that because that is just the awesomest yeah it's, that i mean and Mega Man's always about like figuring out the order to beat the bosses but that is like amazing there's also an the order whole to level change. stages yeah i mean because yeah. you also like if you beat launch octopus and then go to spark mandrel all the electric tubes were broken and there was actually like a way that you could get to a heart container that way and oh, yeah, yeah there, there was a oh, couple yeah. other ones that are like wow this is super cool and it's yeah. uh, to my knowledge the only only Mega Man game that did that right so neat yeah yeah really ambitious super cool yeah you can't, you also can't forget about the, the hadouken yeah, yeah dude i remember trying such just, a like, fun sitting there. extra bonus thing that we learned about so much later i think i i swear they just saved it for like some revitalization for the game you know to release it in nintendo power because there's no way you could accidentally do it but there's a way you could you could literally make you know you get the final upgrade it's a secret upgrade. It's the final capsule, and Doctor Light's wearing a like Ryu's costume from Street Fighter, and uh, you can literally get the Hadouken, and you do it by doing a rolled from down to forward, just like a just like in Street Fighter. Yeah. But you have to have full energy, full energy. to to make yep. it work, and uh, it's like the strongest attack in the game because Mega Man X One you couldn't, you know, yeah, you could you could charge your shot in the first yep. one, yeah. Yep. But um, yeah. But the Hadouken, and he even says like he says Hadouken. Right? He says Hadouken. He does it. Hadouken. Yep. It's yeah. just it's just such a fun thing. It's so it's so like bizarre. You have to beat the end of the armored armadillo stage like five times in a row. Something I think like without that, yeah. Yeah, you have to like keep restarting it or something. And yeah, then, like, like go back into it. Yeah, there's you a have, to have like nine nine lives. You have to have all the e tanks full. Okay. You guys remember the yeah. trick with getting the nine lives? That there was one the, the bat bat, the bat in Armored Armadillo stage. Yeah, yep, that, that was, was the bubble. That was, that was the Mega Man two bats from like yes. the Woodman stage. Yes, the, not yeah, the normal Mega Man bat. X bats because there are right. Mega Man X bats that are all throughout the game, but they're one bubble bat. that's Mega Man two, and he would always like re almost always drop a free life. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and you just zip past it normally on the minecart, but you if you stop yeah. and you you can just farm yeah. lives off it, and then yeah, you just keep you know riding the cart, die in the last hole, get all the way to your last life, and then do it one more time and climb up the cliff at the at the end of it, and uh, and there's there's and the there capsule. he is. Yeah, Dr. and I Light, remember just like you? the first time I got it to work, I just could not believe it. I'm like, oh, I yeah. can't. I'm gonna get up there and there's gonna be nothing there again. This is a friggin' like, hoax. 
it's like it sounds like a hoax it sounds like bullshit because the, that that happened all the time back in the day the people would yeah. say stuff and you're like yeah no but right. it's true it's, it's really true, yeah. fun same thing with so, the x2 with the shoryuken yeah you could get the shoryuken yeah i mean and then everybody was like oh we're gonna get the sonic boom in the third so one and it was just like a, a gold armor and it wasn't really that cool <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, th- I mean, this series I think is uh, th- these are these are three of the best Super Nintendo games. I think, and and I mean, oh, it yeah. starts all starts with the first one. So, yeah, Mega Man X as important to me as Super Metroid or any any game on the Super NES in my Absolutely. opinion, definitely one of the best um, platformers of all time on any system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, so my final pick is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tournament Fighters for the Super Nintendo. Nah. And that one came out on What a bait and switch. I know. Turtles, Turtles in, in Time. Tournament Fighter. <laughs> that came out right. September 4th, 1993. And I remember uh, the first hearing about this game. Just, I just fell in love with the graphics. Like I thought it looked so much better than Street Fighter 2. Like, oh it's not even God, freaking it's funny. Such good graphics it's, in this game. Yeah, so freaking good. Um, the only thing I don't like about this game is that you no, know, it's a, yeah, it's a tournament as it says in the title, but it's like you just earn money. Yeah, the so story the sucks. Is just, yeah, the story is terrible. But that's it. That's Everything it, else yeah. about this game is super cool. Uh, you get to choose from uh, uh, s- uh, several different fighters. I think like eight eight fighters. Uh, you get to play as War, which is uh, he's from the Archie comics. Yeah. Um, Aska. Uh, she was supposed to be uh, one of the characters from the third Ninja Turtle movie, uh, but because the the movie did so badly, they just changed her name. But but Asuka is actually modeled after the the character Mitsu from the third Turtle movie. Okay, which is really really interesting. Um, Wingnut, who is freaking awesome in this game, he was uh, like kind of my favorite character to play as. Yeah, I loved being Wingnut. Yeah, he was super cool. Um, and his uh, special attacks were pretty unique. Like you can only do them like in the air, which is yeah. kind of different. He could he he could uh, bite the opponent and drain their blood like a vampire bat. Yep. He would actually suck their blood and gain a little bit of energy back. Yep. Yeah, that that was cool. Um, Chrome Dome, uh, yep. which we've only seen him in like one episode from the. the Right. He, he was like one of those things that they did. He was just a figure. And then yeah. there was like that that special that they they made where they worked in some of the figures. Like they worked in Chrome Dome and Dirt Bag and Ground Chuck. But right. those were just those really started as just figures. Just figures, right. And right. then they got worked into other various games too. Obviously, Dirt Bag and Ground Chucker and Turtles 3 for NES and in Shredder's Revenge, they they make a triumphant return after all these years, right? Yeah. And is Chrome is Chrome Dome in Shredder's Revenge? I can't remember. Yes. Now. Yeah, he's one of the bosses. It's like so cool, you know, like yeah. so great. Yeah, it was like it was like one of those throwback uh, battles from uh, from Tales in Time for the Super Nintendo, where you, you throw the enemy into the screen and then uh, Chrome Dome would just jump out at you, and mm-hmm. then that's the only way how you can attack him, and then and then he'll jump away and then he's like behind the screen like trying to you know attack you from right 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 um and the bosses in this game are rat king which is kind of odd um you've only seen him in uh 
in Lots terrible of stuff. time for the Super yeah. No, so he was in the he was in the all versions of the cartoons. Uh, he he's he was a pretty common character. No, I I just meant for the the games. I know, I know oh. it's pretty common for the cartoon, but like as far as oh, like, okay, I was like like we don't, didn't see much of him. Like like he was in Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. As far okay, as far as the games go, yeah, you're right. He was just in yeah. that bonus battle for the Super Nintendo, which wasn't even in the arcade. Mm. Right. Um, and the uh, the first appearance of Karai, I believe. I think it was her first appearance. It's the first time um, I saw her. I know she was in the yeah. Genesis Tournament Fighter as well, but I think that came out after. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, she was like actually like the worst, the, the worst boss in any fighting game. She just sucked. I hate her so much. She was very was hard and cheap, very frustrating to fight. Thought, if you thought M. Bison was cheap, this bitch was super cheap. Holy crap. She so was thrifty. So, so That's terrible. Hate her. Um, one of the cool things I like about this game is that each character has their own uh, special attack, which uh, whenever you make contact with an enemy, your your super meter fills up, which is like a, it's shaped like a, a canister of ooze. Yep. And it's about the, the length of your life bar. Mm-hmm. And and once you fill it up, you hit you hit both of your strong attacks at the same time, and each character has their own unique special. Like Leonardo would would like like punch like a million miles an hour, causing like multiple like fists going across the screen, kind of like a rapid fire projectile type of thing. Um, uh, Donatello would do the uh, the dragon. Mm-hmm. He had the best across the screen. He had my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, Raphael, what was Raphael's? Oh, he would jump in the air and he was like just shoot fireballs like just like all across the ground. And uh Michelangelo was he would just um brutally brutally beat you. And he just keeps saying attack, 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 and he just, just keeps hitting you hitting you, kicking you, and all this shit, and then end with a super uh with a, a, a rising thunder, I think is what, what he calls it. It's like it's like the, the dragon. No, no, it was uh Oh, was it was it Rising Thunder? It's Rising I, something. I know. I know he has. I, I know it's like Shining Cutter. So like Rising Thunder feels like it's too similar sounding, but maybe it yeah. was. I remember uh, he also had Dragon Breath. Yeah, Dragon Breath, and he would like breathe fire. It's like what? It so random, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is right. this? Right, right <laughs> jamboree, Jamboree. What's a Jamboree? <laughs> shining Cutter. <laughs> Shining, Shining cutter. cutter, jamboree isn't that just like a friggin' party? Like oh, it a is. Like, no idea. Like, no up. Um, war, which is done. He was turned into a ball and just like bounced all across the screen. Yeah, that was um, a good. Asuka would just like she would just sound like this huge tornado and just it'll just shoot right across the screen. Um, Wingnut would jump in the air and it would cause like huge sonic booms, like from like left to right. What's really mm-hmm. Man, cool about that special attack is that if you do it just right, if if your your opponent is like directly like right right under you at the right spot, and you did that special attack, you could kill your opponent in one that one hit. That's how powerful it was. So freaking crazy. Um, Chrome Dome would just blow up and put himself back together oh right yeah he would like self-destruct and then he would yeah yeah out. that was cool i like that and, and, Ar- and armagon would just summon like a tidal wave you know, just yeah i liked it. that one a lot yeah that was really cool 
Shredder or Cyber Shredder in this game is like still, I think the coolest Shredder has ever looked in a video game or like oh, yeah. damn close. If it's not number one, he's number two. Him, I don't know why they called him Cyber Shredder though. It's just really weird. Because it was just a buzzword in the 90s. Yeah, Lots of stuff was just Cyber. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, he was right. Really cool. He uh, he would um. Oh, his was lightning crusher. He would just uh, throw his fist up in the air. Lightning would strike down on him, and then like lightning would just go across the floor. That that was okay. Neat. Yeah, yeah. Not not uh, the coolest. Rat King, Rat King's special attack was Rat Bomba. Yeah, oh, Rat, Rat Bomba. That's right. Oh my God, how can I forget that? And uh, Karai was a uh, Dark Thunder. Okay. Where she would just like shoot lightning out of her eyes and mouth or whatever. It was just the lightning just like just would act like a like a fountain of lightning and just hit you if you're close yeah. enough to it. Yeah. Um, this this game really was probably. I mean, no, no, not probably. This was absolutely the the one on one fighter I played the most on the Super Nintendo by oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah, because I I didn't love Street Fighter quite as much as other people. I did really love it, and I did yes. have it, but like it didn't on the Super Nintendo. I'm like I thought it sucked compared to this, and I oh, was yeah. just extra pissed that it was so expensive. It's like screw you. This is like so good. I mean, honestly, I think this my second favorite fighter on the Super Nintendo was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game. Oh there was the one on one fighter, yes. and the yes. only thing that I didn't really like about that game was that there weren't that many characters. That was like the downside to that game. Uh, the, yeah. the, the the gameplay and the sprites were so excellent. I felt like you know what this could give Turtles Tournament a run for its money. Or maybe even be better if it just had like a much larger roster. But they had so few characters. And the bummer was they should they clearly the obvious thing should have been to put the like the generation one characters, the original Megazord and the Dragon Zord in it. And they just didn't. They didn't go back a generation. They just did the current guys. And it's like, uh why that's so obvious. That's who we want to play as. Come on. Right. Um, right. but you know, that game is still really fun. And, uh, and I, I always felt like that's probably my second favorite fighter on the super Nintendo, but turtles yeah. tournament is number one. Number one my God absolutely. played yep. that game to death and the endings were fun in, yep. in like street fighter tradition. You got an ending. It had like two graphics, you know, there were two graphics that were unique for each, each character and they so were animated. So yeah, some of them were kind of kind of animated. <laughs> yeah, they were animated. I mean, I, I loved. I mean, the Shredder ending oh graphic is so epic. He's yeah. like got it. He's shaking his fist, and there's just fire in the background. It, the graphic of him is so amazing. So good. I love it. Absolutely. Oh my god, he, he just just looks so evil in that game. Oh my god, yeah. I love. I love. It. And it's funny because he's wearing pink. Why is he wearing pink? I don't know. He's still <laughs> right. the most badass version. Right. Doesn't and he's matter. wearing yeah. solid, like a solid pink onesie. Makes what him the more hell? badass. Oh I know. God. I preferred the second player color, which was like a bluish purple. Yes. Um, I preferred yeah. that. I, I just didn't understand why they made him pink and not just purple purple. He should have been like purple and blue or something for the two colors. But right. pink was a crazy choice for Shredder. But Oh my god! It just didn't matter. Like he looked right. that good. He looks so good. <laughs> so crazy. Awesome. 
Yeah. Uh, what was cool about this game, too, is that, yeah, you had the tournament mode, but you also had a story mode. And you can only play yeah. as one of the four turtles, and you just go through each stage, and, like, like each, uh, you go, you fight, you know, Armagon and a war and all that stuff, and each, before each battle, there's, uh, before and after each battle, there's some type of dialogue, which is really cool. Hmm. And, and, and the whole point of the story mode is you just have, you know, the, the typical rescue mission. You have to rescue April and Splinter. I don't know why you have to keep rescuing Splinter. I mean, he's a badass on his own. I know. But, Splinter uh, should not be in any kind of distress. Distri- yeah, like, never. It's like you know, almost almost every turtle game is like, okay, well, you have to save Splinter in some level. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's stupid. He should have been, in the game, been in this game as a playable character. Dude, yeah. Yeah, I I know. I totally agree. He he definitely should have been like in that old cartoon though. He never saw action ever, so it almost felt like he wasn't a badass in that show. Like you didn't. I know he. We know he trained them, but they never showed him do anything. He would just get captured. You know. I mean, like yeah, I'm really so glad that now we've seen him do stuff in certain other iterations. I mean, yeah. I think he was the most badass in the 2003 show. He was. Mm he was like shown in many episodes to be more formidable than the turtles. And right. I think that that's what you got to do. That's amazing. Right. right. Still would have been cool to see a bigger roster, you know, have splinter, have Casey Jones. Yeah. Like- Casey was a really weird omission for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, this could have had a bigger roster too, but I, I, I don't know. Like I felt like it was, enough maybe it only had like two more characters than, than the power rangers or something but you yeah. had all four turtles and you know plenty of other really neat characters and some of them were you know random randos like i don't think anybody knew who war armagon or aska were but um you know seeing chrome dome was really fun seeing wingnut was really fun mm-hmm. um i definitely think like some more figures would have been really fun you know like you know yeah and 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 shredder and i mean uh splinter and and casey jones yeah but i mean i guess you know the system has its limits and those sprites were so big and great yeah my god yeah it would have been cool to see um a sequel where they added like just different characters definitely fight rocksteady and bebop you know i'm just i'm surprised i mean they're just in in the stages they're in the yeah there's tons of characters that get cameos in the background so many Right. So, so, so many. Even the neutrinos are in like one of the levels. For, and they yeah. were just in one episode of the cartoon. It's like, what? Why did, why did they get a cameo? And I mean, like Casey Jones is back there in one of the levels. And um, I mean, I, you know, this was primarily taking stuff from the cartoon, I guess, even though yeah. the look is nothing like the cartoon. It's so much more badass. Yeah. Definitely but, um, yeah, and like Rat King looking. didn't look like he looked in the show. Shredder sure as hell jack. didn't. Oh my god, super jack. Shredder sure as hell didn't look that way. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know, Casey Jones was really minimized in that old show. Like he was only in like two or three episodes. Yeah. Out of like ten years worth of episodes, I mean, right. there's like hundreds of episodes. He's in like two or three. Like what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh. That's my final pick, Super Nintendo. Awesome, it's a great Nintendo. pick. Yeah. yeah, great one. Such, such a such a fun. Could do a whole episode on oh, fighting dude. games. Dang. Oh, dang. Yeah. I think we need to. Shit. Hey, I think we, we have, have to. We we must. It's a, it's a must. 
I think we don't even have an option. <laughs> all right. That's awesome, guys. Thanks so much for, for your picks. And uh, now it's almost time to catch that horizon. But before we say goodbye, let's go to this. If you're looking to score, you better listen to those that came before. Just sit right down and whip out your sheet music. Because it's time to compose yourself. Greetings, Retroids! It is I, 8-Bit Alchemy, and I am here with an episode of Compose Yourself. I want to talk to you about uh, a woman who I mentioned earlier. Her name is Yoko Shimamura. I downplayed how amazing she is when I talked about Super Mario RPG because of this. Because this is where I get to not downplay it. Because she's yeah. fucking amazing absolutely one of the titans of industry when it comes to making game music there is just oh you know i mean everyone's like it's nobuo uimatsu right he did all the final fantasy music everyone loses their shit over him right well yoko shimamura absolutely needs to be in the conversation i don't care what you say um so she was born in october 19th 1967 in hyogo prefecture in japan she developed an interest for music at a very young age and started taking piano lessons at the age of four or five uh she started writing her own music just by playing the piano randomly and pretending to compose and eventually coming up with music and um you know she she says that even still today, she can still remember how to play the first uh, thing that she wrote on piano. She went to the Osaka College of Music and graduated as a piano major in 1988. She started her career in the games industry at Capcom in 1988, uh, where she wrote music for several games there, including Final Fight, The King of Dragons, and, oh, that's right, Street Fighter II. Yeah, Never every Street Fighter 2 song is Yoko. Oh that's God, right. That's Guile's theme, yeah. Ken's theme, yeah. yeah. Ryu's yeah. theme, yeah. E Honda theme, yeah. Zangief's theme, Zangief's theme, yeah. So <laughs> all the doll theme, theme, dude. Like seriously, the, who the doesn't theme know of Guile's Scuba theme Nubis? off the top of their head? Right. Holy shit. Okay. So other Capcom titles that she worked on include the uh, Nemo arcade game, as in Nemo the Dream Master. That is a really fun arcade game. Fun That's arcade so game. Yep. She also uh, was co-writer for the Punisher arcade game by Capcom. And Breath of Fire. The oh. first Breath of Fire game she did the music for. Nice. Um, Shimamura left Capcom and joined Square. Uh, which is now Square Enix, uh, but Squaresoft in 1993, with her first project there being the game Live Alive, which is a really cool, obscure Super Nintendo RPG. It only got released in Japan, except for a couple years ago, Square, doing what I love to see Square doing, is they, rema they remade Live Alive, and they released it for the Switch and uh, for the PlayStation, and it's awesome. I actually just got to play through that game this year. Uh, I had I had wanted to get the remake so bad, and uh, and so I got to actually finally play through it this year, and I loved it. And the music was super good, uh, really cool because she also worked on the remake, so like she got to be the original, and then friggin' 
my god, like 30 years later, almost get to do the remake. It's pretty amazing. Nice. Um, she also did the soundtracks for Front Mission and Super Mario RPG, which I mentioned. Uh, on the PlayStation with Square, she penned the music for Tobal Number 1, Parasite Eve, and Legend of Mana. And then in 2002, as I said earlier, she was responsible for the soundtrack to Kingdom Hearts, which would pretty much send her name into the stratosphere and would go on to do every future installment in the long-running Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, including 33 and a third? Uh, yes, including 33 and a third. Um, also, to my... Outstanding. Just- Oh, so outstanding in her field. Uh, but to my personal satisfaction, she also did uh, the music for the Mario and Luigi RPG game on the Game Boy Advance, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga in 2003, and did the music for its four sequels um, over the following years. And that's really cool because she was on Mario RPG and then got to also be responsible for all the music for one of the other RPG spinoff series that Mario would go on to do, which is really cool. And uh, not for nothing, that first game, Superstar Saga, actually is one of the only times where Gino is referenced in something that's not Super Mario RPG. There's one section of uh, Superstar Saga, where there's a mini game that you play, and the tutorial is given to you by a little mechanical Geno doll who pops out of the side of the screen and and talks to you, and then and then tells you how to play oh, the game and goes man. away. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so cool. I, like the I, I loved I loved Geno. Yeah, oh, he was my yeah. he was my favorite in that game. I, 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 everybody I loves Gino. Everyone loves Geno. He's he's wonderful. Um, so yeah, that was really really cool. Uh, also, two more points that I have to mention in her career. In 2010, she would uh, be part of a very large team that helped to work on all of the music for Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, she worked alongside Manami Kyoto, Ace Team, Kenji Hiramatsu and Yasunori Mitsuda. Um, for those of you who aren't sure, Yasunori Mitsuda did the music for Chrono Trigger. So okay. uh, nice. take note. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles is a really amazing soundtrack and uh, personal favorite of Joe. Nintendo, you love Xenoblade. I do. Um, and, uh, and then the last one that I have to mention is that uh, after so many years of working at Square, you would wonder, well... Is Final Fantasy ever going to be a, a, a thing that you get to work on? Well, the answer is yes. In 2016, she was primary composer for Final Fantasy XV uh, alongside Tetsuya Shibata, Yoshino Aoki, and Yoshitaka Suzuki, which is just such a cool accomplishment to be with this company for so long and to actually get the chance to do music for a final fantasy game is pretty awesome i mean it's not like she had any other low profile games but that's that's a pretty big deal to be to be able to do that um really neat uh but i love her to pieces um also she is not credited for some reason uh not widely credited uh with this but i know that she also worked on um on the n64 there was three bomberman games uh, she worked on the third one, Bomberman: The Second Attack. If you if you listen to that, you will hear a lot of similarities between that and in uh, Kingdom Hearts music, and you can tell that it's totally her stuff. Um, but yeah, she's not really like widely credited for that. But uh, anyway, really big fan. 
really wanted to chat about it and uh, and just give her a spotlight. So that's my episode of Compose Yourself. So get awesome. composed. Go we we are very show. composed. Stop, get it. Stop, stop assuming that we're not. Well, you know, if you are already, then you're already, you know, that's half the battle. Now you just have to go listen to something. Listen to something of that great, great discography. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got for you, awesome. Joseph. Thank you, kind sir. You're welcome, kind very, sir. Very, very, very cute. Very cute. So cute. So cute. All right, that wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that make growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. I refuse to call it X. As well as being part of the Inebriot Podcast Network, RetroDocpus is still a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like Epic Tales from the Sewers, Throwdown Thursday, Splash Pages, and Nerds of Unusual Origin. Hmm. Well then, for more information or to su- subscribe to us or any of these fantastic shows, please visit thedorkening.com. Um, and be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, Coffee to Die For. I have been your host, Nintendo, and keep playing retro games because they're so fun. Have a good one. shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com